The Solid 7 Podcast is fueled by Jocko Go. Engineered for anyone who wants to get after it in life, pre-meeting, pre-testing, pre-negotiation, or pre-mission. If you're looking for an extra cognitive or physical edge, Jocko Go is your force multiplier. With 95 milligrams of caffeine and zero sugar, the keto-friendly Jocko Go will give you a physical and cognitive boost without the crash that you experience with average energy drinks. Visit JockoFuel.com today, and you can use our promo code SOLID7, that's S-O-L-I-D-7, to get 10% off your order. Get on the path and get after it. Oh, and because lawyers exist, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of the Solid 7 Podcast is brought to you by Hit and Skins. Hit and Skins is Central Florida's premier custom branding company, offering high-quality custom apparel, design, signage, vehicle wraps, and much more. With over 15 years of experience, they have the expertise to take your project from concept to finished product. And their exceptional service and attention to detail mean your project will turn out just like you imagined or better. Visit hittenskins.com today. That's H-I-T-T-N-S-K-I-N-S.com. And let them get to work on the branding you deserve. The Solid 7 Podcast is a proud affiliate of GORUCK. GORUCK designs and builds the toughest gear on the planet, tested and proven at thousands of GORUCK events held all over the world and led by current and former Special Forces combat veterans. The GORUCK brand stands for Building Better Americans, the Special Forces way of life, and a life-or-death approach to building the world's toughest gear. Visit Solid7Podcast.com and click on the GORUCK link to learn more about their gear and events and a portion of every purchase and every event registration you make will go to support us here at the Solid 7 Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to yet another episode of a Solid 7 Podcast. We are a better than average podcast each week. I invite a guest to join me here and uh, talk about whatever's going on in the world that interests us. And this week is no different as we welcome back my good buddy, bass player, race car driver, Chris Arroyo. So so you had to put me on after Sarah Wilkinson. You had to do that to me. Listen, bro, the the schedule is what it is. I mean, it's just... (laughs) um, I mean, listen, I don't want to be chasing Sarah with you either, in fairness. That, so. is true. that, that was a great episode, <laughs> by the way. It really was fantastic. Oh, thanks, buddy. Chris is, of course, talking about uh, last episode, episode number 60, uh, with Sarah Wilkinson, uh, Gold Star wife to uh, Navy SEAL Chad Wilkinson, who uh, sadly died by suicide uh, after... 20, 21 years of serving his country in the SEAL teams. And uh, she's the founder and president of the Step Up Foundation and an all-around cool person. It was it was awesome to have her on. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, she's no big deal at all, you know. By the way, for, for the viewers who are listening, uh, I am not a veteran. I, uh, I, I have not started a, a nonprofit, okay? I can't give you a psychological analysis on Johnny Depp. All right. I mean, you can. An, you can. I mean, I I can try. Just not an informed one. That's all. Right. Listen, I'm just a normal dude, but uh, hopefully we'll have some fun here tonight. Yeah. The more the more you talk, the more I'm regretting this booking. Like, uh... well, I. 
No, you're, uh, Chris is a good time. If you haven't, Chris has been on before. A uh, better podcaster would have looked up the episode number and offered it to you now. But just pull up the pod and, and search Chris Arroyo. You'll you'll find him. It'll come up there. And uh, full full disclosure, legitimately, you're one of my my wife's favorite episodes. So you got that going really? for you. And uh, I oh, mean, oh my gosh, that's you know she's a d- discerning uh, palate, a discerning ear, uh, whatever. So, no, I, hey, I will I'll say it. it was nice uh, tonight. And this is totally meant as like appreciation for you um, and not like a slight to to anyone. But mm. uh, like as as happens, uh, you know, like putting the kids down, just taking a little longer than usual tonight. Chris and I were talking about it off air, just the the challenges of, of getting my my four year old down right now. And I text Chris. I'm like, hey, man, this is running a little long. And it was like, Hey, no problem, man, dad life. And it's just, I, I don't, yep. I don't want, I don't like, I would prefer not to have to be like, Hey, sorry. I would prefer to run on time and be professional. I like to run a professional shop here. Uh, but it does just hit different when you're, when you're talking to somebody who's had to put a four-year-old down <laughs> who knows the struggle. Absolutely. So I have a five-year-old and a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. I I have given up on trying to put down the one-year-old. Like there is no winning with her. It's only mommy. Like sorry, dad, you're not good enough. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. it's it's pro- it's better that she's learned that early on. Really. Yeah, I mean, why why disappoint her later on? Yeah, once once well, she's attached. Well, and and for these reasons, and the fact that uh, you know neither of us have had a, a full night's sleep since 2018, Sound Podcast is, of course, as always, as was said in the ad at the beginning that you probably skipped over, fueled by Jocko Go, which Chris has obtained for this episode. I have, I have, which is it's very hard to find in New York and. I'm very excited because I found the mango one. Nice. Yeah. I mean, can I just say, of course, it's hard to find in New York. Of course, the the drink of choice for freedom is hard to find in the state of New York. You're, you're more right than you know. Yeah. Well, let's crack these bad boys open and, uh, and have a podcast. Cheers, let's sir. Let's do it. Is this, have you had a mango? So I bought two. Okay. I had one earlier. And actually, I'm going to save this one for tomorrow because the last time I was on the show and I had one with you guys, I think it was one of those nights where we started kind of late. Uh, I didn't go to bed until like three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. Oh, dude. Listen, Chris is Chris is overselling it. He's You're a lightweight. Dude, it's 90. It's not like drinking like a Red Bull or a Monster. It's 95 milligrams of caffeine. Well, I know, but I never drink caffeine. Like I, I barely drink coffee. You know, like I'll have a cup of coffee twice no, a week. Chris maybe. and I, like we've been, I've known Chris for a long time. I, I don't even know when we met. I, I can't peg it to a year, but it's been a minute. And for as long as I've known Chris, I, I've had this running thought, which I think I offered up last time and I will offer up again now, that you're just the worst Puerto Rican on the planet. Like what Puerto Rican doesn't <laughs> drink coffee? I I, like, I know like, this. Like, like somebody I, I'm from the Bu- worst. Yeah, somebody from Bustelo is going to track you down and kill you. It's true. I, I am the worst representative of the Puerto Rican culture. So I wear camo. I like country music. Even right now, currently, as I speak to you, Kale, I have a mullet. You do. You do. It's. <laughs> oh, that's that's fantastic. Why not? Why not? So, 
Well, uh, dude, uh, did you see, uh, if I thought this is a great place for us to start because we have a personal connection here, uh, a little, a little bit of sadness, a little bit of mourning here on the podcast this week, uh, because Apple has killed off the iPod. I, I can't believe it. I like, I, I can't, can. I can't, it's a long time coming, right? Like they haven't given it any love or updated it in a long time at the same time. Like, obviously, the iPod isn't what started it all for Apple. Um, there's there's important history to that company long before that. But the Apple that, the Apple that everyone knows and loves now, the Apple that everyone who say, you know, like, younger than 20 years old for sure knows, like, that all started with the iPod. Yes, it's, the iPod, the classic one, the one that is as big as a tissue box. Yeah, like what that what one. turned into the iPhone, the the iPad, like it just so many advancements, right? To just be and so many iterations, like if especially if you're I'm a little older than than you, but especially if you're our age, you've likely owned several versions of the iPod. Well, Kale, like there was a time and may, I don't know what the demographic of your viewership is, but guys like our age, we can remember a time when like 85% of the cars on the road had an iPod in the center console. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you, if you were Those lucky, things. you had the aux cable. If you didn't, you had to get the FM, like you had to get the, the cassette adapter so that you could plug in. Yes. Yes. So, I so, remember that. So Young Bucks listening this was a, a, a tape cassette. This was a small plastic rectangle that had a roll of magnetic tape in it. And people used to store music on these. Um, <laughs> but you could get these cassette adapters that would plug into the cassette. You'd push it in like a cassette in the, in the radio in the car. And there was a wire coming off of it with, a, with an eighth-inch connector on it with a headphone jack. And then you could plug that into. I mean, you could use it for anything with a headphone port. Um, well... Well, do you remember the one that it was like this little adapter that plugged into your cigarette lighter and somehow used the, you know, an unused radio station frequency oh, I mean, on. You remember that? I have one in my mom's van for her right now. <laughs> like They've gotten better, by the way. I think I have her an anchor brand one for her. But but yeah, that's how you used to have to plug in. But here's what's really funny. Um, and just to show that my predictive powers in tech. Not not exactly dialed in. I remember I was working at Chick-fil-A in the time at the time. And I remember this was pre-iPod, but not pre-MP3 player. So iPod, as is often the case with Apple, was not the first like digital music MP3 player to market. Uh, Steve Jobs is pretty famous for saying, well, he's famous for a lot of things, but for saying, like, I don't want to be I don't care if we're first, we're gonna be best, right? And so I remember being working at Chick-fil-A. So this was probably early to very early 2000s. It might have even been 2000. I'm working at Chick-fil-A and we're having some kind of contest or drawing or or something, right? Or a Christmas party. Either way, there was going to be something that you could win. And one of the prizes was going to be an MP3 player. And I remember telling the the operator the owner at our chick-fil-a unit i'm like dude don't do an mp3 i'm like it's so it's so dumb like you've got this little device now memory then even then because we're talking over 20 years now was not what right. it is now you couldn't walk around with a gig on something the size of your thumb in your pocket like that wasn't a thing 
Um, I say a gig now, like a, like you can't do a terabyte instead. Like even a gig, saying a gig is is super outdated, right? Um, so you were talking, you know, megabytes of memory in these things at the point, maybe two fifty, mm-hmm. maybe one twenty eight, two fifty six megabytes, not gigabytes, megabytes. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And so I'm like, it's so dumb, man. Like, okay, whatever. You store whatever songs you can on there, and then you're landlocked. You can't like that's all the music you listen to, unless you want to plug it into your computer and change it out. I'm like, bro, the prize should be a mini disc player. I thought these things were so freaking cool. It was a Sony format. Wow. And they were, it, it was almost like an old floppy disc. It wasn't like a CD. It was kind of, it was almost like a CD encased in plastic. Right, and so it yeah. was like, it was like a whole CD system shrunk down. But I'm like, cause those like you can, you can carry multiple mini discs with you and then you can have more music just than what's on the thing. Obviously, I wasn't quite reading the tea leaves right at the time. No, no, that's like the equivalent of like what that those beta beta tapes yes. versus VHS tapes yeah. way back in the day. Well, like it was 80s the same. Back in the day. It was the same way uh, more recently with with Blu-ray, which is now itself pretty much already obsolete because of streaming. But Blu-ray and HD DVD. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it's, it's so wild. It's just the way I remember so. though. My uh, my first mp3 player was made by compaq like the the people that made laptops and it had these little almost like an sd card but it was like a weird version of that and like maybe it was an sd card back then i can't remember but i could hold 20 songs and that was it yeah so yeah i picked a favorite album And and what's funny, like, you know, kicking it old school, talking about like the cassette adapters and stuff for our iPods once we had them in our cars that had tape decks. Like before that, guys, even with, you know, like, or I'm not saying like we had been listening to cassettes in our cars. I'm saying we were poor and owned older vehicles that had cassette decks. But then like, like you can't, if you're, if you're, if you're younger, I don't know what age you have to be. I don't know what the cutoff is for this. Uh, but, but when you're old, like Chris and I, you can remember even once you managed to get a vehicle nice enough that had a CD player in it, or if you were connecting like a CD Walkman, uh, to your cassette adapter, we all had these giant cases, these, the, yes. these black cases full of CDs. And you're like driving down the road, like steering with your knee, trying to flip through your CD case. To find to find the one CD you wanted to put it in the player to listen to, and then if you met somebody that actually had a CD changer in their vehicle where they could actually load five, nay, even six discs at one time, I mean, this was the richest, coolest person you knew. Oh yeah, and and let us not forget that you didn't necessarily load the CDs in the radio where the actual like head unit was. Sometimes you had to load the CDs in the back of the car. Yes, if you had a changer, sometimes it would be back in back in the trunk. You know what's funny? Even now, uh, one of our vehicles I want to say is uh, like a 2015, which it still feels like a pretty late model vehicle. That car is just older than than I think of it as at this point because it's got you know it's keyless entry and Bluetooth and you know parking sensors and self parking. Like it's got a lot of bells and whistles. So I'm like, it just doesn't feel like a seven year old vehicle, uh, but it is. But it still has uh, like it's got a CD slot in it. I don't ever use it, but it's got it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So all that to say, like the iPod though was the beginning of the end of all these things. That's right. The truth. Like nobody's toting around. Forget beginning of the end of like the CD case. Like 
When's the last time you bought a CD? When's the last time you saw a CD for sale? Can, can you buy a CD? Can you buy a music CD right now? I know vinyl has had a resurgence. I bet it's easier to buy music on vinyl than a CD right now. Does, does Best Buy have those aisles? I don't even know. Get rid of those? I mean, what's the last time you were in a Best Buy? <laughs> oh, good point. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Amazon. Um, so, yeah. And it was so if I didn't own the very first one, I didn't own the one that had the buttons, but I owned the one right after that, the first one with the click wheel. I don't remember what size it was, but I know I owned that one. Um, so the white front with the silver back, the little monotone screen. Yep. yep. I can still hear Pixels. the click sound. I can still hear as you would, as you would spin the wheel, the click sound that you would hear as you were spinning. I can hear it. I, I hate to embarrass my parents because my mom is probably listening to this because, well, she loves me. Hi, mom. Uh, but I remember like in, in, it was probably like middle school or maybe early high school where like all I wanted for Christmas was an iPod, right? Like I wanted that, the white one with the yeah. wheel like you, like you described. And then, but instead of buying me an iPod, they bought me a Zune. Do you remember those? Yes. Yeah. It was the Microsoft equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. It, yeah. There's people, there were people that swore by it. Uh, just oh, like, yeah. but I'm going to call him out because he's going to listen. Just like uh, our good buddy, our mutual friend, Jason Shorey, who's been on the podcast here, would just, uh, you know, scream the merits of Android over or a Samsung phone over the an iPhone from the mountaintops, uh, no matter what. Like some, it's the, the Zune had its believers out there. I remember they're, you know, uh, pre like really before memes were a thing and before gifts were a thing, like. There were pictures and stories uh, floating around of at least one dude I saw that got like a Zune tattoo. Like, no regrets there. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. do you remember there was also a thing called the Eye River? No. I think my wife had it. But so instead of a click wheel, it was just a little touchpad that had it was just up and down. That was the only access. So it looked like a river. How how it didn't get like. A copyright infringement by calling it i river i have no idea yeah but i think i think that was an episode in the office too like pam yeah, got pam. the off-brand ipod yes yeah thanks roy but that's when she bonded with dwight oh, that's right he, oh, yeah. the, he was like this is better and then he yeah. like threw it against the wall that's when he had the concussion oh that's right <laughs> God bless the uh, office. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, listen, so I'm probably one of the very few people who still uses like an iPod, not the touchscreen, but like the one what? with the with the wheel. Yes. But hang on. I, I want to talk about how you got that iPod, but I, I still I'm not done. Like I'm yeah. not ready to let go. I want to walk through like uh, I, I just want to try and remember all the various iPods that I, that I bought or owned. Like I'm not going to name every device in size. But like after that, that first, you know, white one with the silver back and guys, like if you didn't ever hold one of these things, they were heavy. Oh, right? yeah. Because there was, Yo, like a, could... there was like a legit spinning hard drive in this thing. Uh, but they, you know, they continued to shrink and get smaller and they had all kinds of different versions. I own several variations of the nanos. They had a shuffle at one point where you would just put music on it. There was no screen and it would just shuffle through what you put on it. And people loved That's those right. for like joggers, runners loved it at one point they did a nano that had shrunk down it was almost like a predecessor to the apple watch like it was just a square but it was a full color touch screen it was pretty high resolution and it had a clip on the back of it 
but you could actually buy them. Like, I can't remember if you could take that clip off because I know I bought my wife one of those at one point. Like, people sold like watch bands that you could fit the thing in, which right, was funny yeah. because there were no AirPods at the time. So it's like the idea was that you're going to like wear it and run, but like the cords now attached to your wrist. So you're like yanking your own AirPods out. Um, yeah, I well then people too. They, they used to put uh, they used to put it in the armbands. They used to put it like on uh-huh. your you know bicep and yeah. run because of the wired yeah. wired headphones. But so in all of them that I owned, I never owned any of the later versions. I never had like the touchscreen, uh, you know, like the iPod touches. Any of those generations at that point, I'd moved on to iPhones and and whatever else, and it was just kind of kind of moved. So I know those were out there. But the last one that I bought was they came out with the iPod Classic, which was that form factor just like the first one that I bought. Mm-hmm. Only it was, which at the time when they released it, was a ton of storage space. It was 360 gigs. That one I do remember exactly how many gigabytes it offered. It was a full-color screen. You, it was a you know a 4 by 3 It was a traditional screen, not a wide screen on it, but you could watch videos and, and all that stuff on there. And I bought that one just because in the land and time of CDs and all that stuff, and the fact that I used to work in production, like I used to do live audio, live lighting, think like concerts, production, stuff like that. Like you just collected music voraciously. Notice I didn't necessarily say bought music voraciously, but you, so once upon a time when iTunes was a worthwhile program itself, when that was where we purchased our music, like you could just pop a CD into your computer and iTunes would copy that music into your library. And so when I, I bought that classic was because I'm like, oh, this is an iPod that can legit hold all of my music right now, which was awesome. Like there was no picking and choosing what you wanted to have with you. It was just, yes, I have my music with me. So that was the last one that I owned. And I no longer own it because I sold I it to you. It. Chris is holding up on FaceTime right now. Dude, I I still have it. So I was, uh, I must have been a senior in high school, like fresh out or fresh out of high school. And about my original white iPod, the eighth inch input jack was messed up. So uh, I could only hear music in mono, not stereo sound. And Kale was like, hey, I have mine. Do you want to buy it? So I bought it, except I didn't delete anything Kale put on it, right? I didn't delete anything. I just you still added have to the all my music on there. The what? You still have my music on there? Yes, and that's amazing. It's hilarious. Well, because because I would just if I could get my hands on a CD, it would go into my catalog. Didn't matter if it was something that I liked or would listen to, because when you when you do production work. You never know like what kind of venue you're going to be in or what the crowd or customer you're going to be working for is. So you just, it was, it was audio guys are not DJs, right? If you see somebody mixing sound like at an actual console, there's not turntables in front of them for the love of God, don't call them a DJ. It's a freaking insult. Okay. Uh, so I wasn't a DJ, but still like if you're working a venue, you want to be able to have background music and you want it to fit. Uh, you know, the customer, the crowd, whatever that you're working for. So there's probably all kinds of crap on there that I don't like and would never listen to. So what I'm telling you why... is that the show tunes aren't mine, Chris. They're not mine. Okay, then can you explain, wow, that's what I call music 1997? As a matter of fact, I can because it's a phenomenal <laughs> album, sir. <laughs> I'm like going through this and and let me tell you something. There was some, There was some legit good stuff on here. 
Good stuff. Like, do you remember? You still haven't heard. I'm looking at it right now. Garth Brooks, the double oh my live album. So listen, I'll tell you, I, I I don't know. Like, I appreciate this, but I don't know if it's a good thing, right? Like, I love, um, which I've seen memes about using Apple Music making you a monster, and I get it. But everybody that listens to this podcast knows I live in the Apple ecosystem. And so the fact that I've got HomePods and MacBooks and iPhones and iPads, like Apple Music just plays nice with everything. Uh, it's just no factor, right? Um, but I love just like the streaming in general. Like you have essentially all the music in the world at your fingertips is what it feels like. But you don't own anything. Like the stuff you're holding in your hand, I owned those tracks. I don't know if yeah. I still have all those those music files anywhere because I think I screwed up and like, you know, told iTunes to like sync my library or back at my iLibrary or something with iTunes music and stuff. And it just got all kinds of whack. Right. So I don't know if I still have all those files anywhere. Um, there's a there's a lot of Fergie on here. That's interesting. But um, listen, a hype crowd appreciates a little black eyed peas every now and then. OK, <laughs> buddy. Don't be judging my humps. Um, and so, uh, but so the thing is like, it's, we've we kind of talked about this uh, with, with Josh on the pod, right? Of, like this dilemma now of like, you buy a, you buy a movie, you know, you go, you go on to your device and you buy a movie. You really don't own the movie. You're buying rights to play it and they can yank those rights. They can edit the movie. And so same thing, like I kind of, I appreciate having all the world's music at my fingertips. I certainly have access to more music than if I was having to buy, I just outright buy every album I was listening to, but it can just evaporate. It can just go away. And right now, you know, what sends me down this rabbit hole is the fact that Garth's music isn't streaming anywhere. It doesn't stream. So if you don't own it, you are not listening to it. I mean, you know, you can listen to it on the radio like a chump. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy though. If you think about it, like you don't you don't own the stuff that you all the movies that I've bought on Amazon Prime. Well, I really hope Amazon Prime doesn't go out of business. They're probably not, but yeah. the possibility is still there. That's why I think we've talked about this too, but it's worth reiterating now, libertarian conservative libertarian that I am, I I wouldn't hate seeing um like some type of consumer rights bill in this digital age where some of our laws, uh, like principles keep up, right? Principles don't change, okay? That you don't have to worry about. But our laws aren't principles. Some of our laws are good enough that they're actually based on unchanging principles, and that's a good thing, uh, right? That's when you get into freedom of speech and the right to self-defense and the right to privacy. Those are codifying good principles, um, right? But so a consumer protection, that kind of thing hasn't kept up, and I would love to see law that like when you – buy media when you buy inter quote, buy entertainment that you you own that entertainment and even if the provider goes under like you're you're buying the ability to access that from the studio or whoever owns it to where no matter what you've got it i i hate that you know like right now it's super cool to from seasons of tv shows to like remove episodes from streaming that are now uh, offensive, right? People can't hear this. It's too, it's too offensive. So now it just disappears, right? Like I own, I, I own scrubs that I bought through iTunes or iMusic or iStore, whatever. It used to be so much easier. Like iTunes used to be great and you used to know what you were doing. But anyways, um, 
And so there's uh, two episodes of Scrubs that despite I paid for the entire series of Scrubs, I don't have the entire series of Scrubs. They decided to pull those episodes and now I can't watch them. Which episodes did they pull? Uh, I can't remember both, um, but one for sure. The the gag is that um, because so if you haven't watched Scrubs, it's an old medical comedy. It's hilarious. I love it. I think it holds up. I recommend watching it now. Uh, but it's Zach Braff, who is still famous and accomplished, is the lead. Um, and uh, the the other main character, Turk, is the character's name. So it's Turk and JD. Turk's a black surgeon. Zach's uh, a white doctor, like internal medicine doctor. So the, the the running gag in the show is that Chris is like this cool, you know, jockey alpha male surgeon. And JD is this, you know, just nerdy, nerdy med white med doctor but they were in, in college or med school together. So the gag in this particular episode is that Turk is taking JD to a party at a black fraternity with him. And they're dressed, I want to say it's like kid and play or something, but either way, like JD's in blackface with Turk. Oh, no. But they, so they knock on the door to the frat house and just before the door opens, Turk steps away. So then it's just JD standing there in blackface. <laughs> so oh, they, no. you know, they like beat the crap out of him. Right. Well, yeah, that, yeah, I guess that really wouldn't fly nowadays. huh? Oh no, you can't even be exposed to that, which is funny with, with stuff like that. It's like blackface is what's being made fun of there. Right. Yeah. They're making fun of yeah, the, that's like the act, yeah. comedy central won't show the diversity day episode of the office anymore. When wow. they're they're mocking Michael stereotyping, you know, people from various regions and races, whatever, like the stereotyping is the joke, not not the people that are being stereotyped. But huh. what as uh, as an, uh, a free adult American, you can't watch that and decide for yourself what's right and right and wrong and funny and not there. You can't you can't be trusted mm. to do that. That's so anyway, so all that to say, like. One of my, the, the times I regret that pr I pretty much just stream all my music now is when I'm in the mood to listen to Garth Brooks because I freaking can't. I got to oh. like pull up a YouTube video or something. That, that was the album he did, uh, Baton Rouge, like calling on Baton oh Rouge. Oh my gosh. So good. That song Man. is so fire. And um, that, like the live version, like some of his songs yep. are 100% better live. Absolutely. So, sorry, I'm sure this is going to offend some people. I'm sure some people will judge my Christianity, but I'm sorry the live version of Friends in Low Places is the better version. Well, it's, of course. It's up there among some of the best songs ever recorded. Colin Baton Rouge live is fantastic. Even some of his uh, later albums, I love the song Wrapped Up in You. You know that he did yeah. all the harmonies and played the harmonica in Wrapped Up on, in You himself? Well, of course he did. Of course it's he just, did. It's just so good. He was actually in town here recently, and I didn't go. I've still never seen him live. And oh, it's, it's a regret. But the, the problem is I want to see Garth live. I do. What I don't want to do is be around everyone else who is there to see Garth Brooks live. <laughs> it's a real moral dilemma for me. That's real. That's real. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. That live album is fantastic. You, you also had... The live album of Try by the John Mayer Trio. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's got to be one of the best albums 
ever. In 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 fact, uh, I have a student who's growing her in her musical abilities and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, and this is kind of funny. I bought her the DVD of John Mayer live at the Nokia Theater. This is like circa like 2006, 2007 or something. I bought her the DVD. I was like, hey, this inspired me as a musician. I want you to watch this. And I promise you, she's just like, what is this, a CD? I'm like, no, it's a DVD. It's like, I don't think I have a DVD player. Uh, what's funny is she probably has uh, like, a, you know, a PS4 or 5 or something in her house that would play it and just doesn't realize it because she's never tried it. Well, yeah, but I mean, how, how, it, I mean, I'm sure she has a DVD player, but it's probably in a closet. It's probably dusty. It's probably, I don't know, I'll somewhere. S- yeah. I'll say this and I want to make this comment because I, you know, like I, I want to recognize that, that like the conversation that we're having right now, I, I do think this is what was so cool about um, the iPod is like, despite their costs and stuff, I, like I feel like our, like the prevalence of music in society in general is much greater. Like our access to music, our exposure to music is at such a higher level now post iPod and iTunes than it was before. And I think that's a good thing overall, which is just kind of caveat. Cause you notice we just kind of trailed off into talking about great music, right? And a lot of it we've heard because it's so much easier to access it now through streaming, but you wouldn't have the streaming if you hadn't had iTunes first, right? Like one had to come before the other. Uh, and so, but I'll, I'll tell you this, Chris, since you bring that up, everybody's got their own musical taste. I'm not saying there's not other great music out there, uh, but just I've I've had this thought often. I've made this comment before, and I always kind of hedge it, and I've just never found any anything false about it to make me want to recant it. And it is that John Mayer's live album may be the pinnacle of all music. I agree. It's I the, agree. The fact that the dude was his own openers. So if you listen to the live album, oh, I first owned it on CD. Of course, now you can just stream it, but it was two CDs. So he opened the show as John Mayer. So it's just him like doing acoustic stuff. So he was the opener. And then the second opener was the John Mayer trio. So now you get this face-melting jazz set. And then the main act was the John Mayer band. And the whole thing is freaking face-melting. It's un it's unreal. I'll actually go on YouTube and I'll watch the old concerts and it's it's insane. The the, the man I if you ever heard him talk, phenomenal musician, kind of a weird dude. And he, yeah. the way he describes how he comes up with music, like I, I'm gonna butcher this, but he somehow sees colors and music and blends it together. It's isn't, isn't that always the way though with these freaking prodigies? And it's it's not quite this way now. Like if you're somebody you haven't listened to John Mayer's older stuff, like there were some vocal issues and stuff and his voice isn't quite what it was. But for the longest time I felt like I, I don't mean this as sacrilegious as it sounds. I'm being hyperbolic, but I'm like, I think God screwed up because I can understand God putting that much talent in one person as a guitar player. Like, no matter what you think of John Mayer's music, you talk to real musicians, and they'll tell you he's one of the top five greatest guitar players to ever walk the earth. I've never heard a real Mm -hmm. musician disagree with that. Um, Again, that's not a commentary on whether or not they like his music. It's not everybody's bag. Fair enough. But his talent as a guitar player is second to almost none. 
And, but then as a vocalist, as a singer, we're world-class before he had his vocal issues a little, you know, he's lost a step now. Um, mm-hmm. Like I remember my wife and I saw him live at jazz fest of, of many years back. Can't remember how, how long before the kids were born by, by several years. And even then like the background vocalists were singing the high parts in his song, which was not like on the tracks. It, it was him and it was because of the vocal issues, but to have both those skill sets and just be an absolute murderer, it just seemed like it was wrong that it was all in one person. Well, let me ask you this, because I'm, as I'm scrolling through the iPod, uh, I see Dave Matthews, this Dave is, Matthews Band. This is funny. You just, I kind of like the vibe of, you're just going to walk me through my old iTunes catalog. <laughs> um, I like, it took me a while to come around on Dave Matthews, right? Especially because he is like the anthem of middle-class white people. Like he's, he's our sound. Yeah. Um, but uh, once I did come around again, he's another one. If somebody can play guitar better than John Mayer, it's Dave Matthews. Right. And I'd say like live sets with Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds are just an absolute clinic. Like you're going to go to school on how to play an acoustic guitar. Uh, but yeah, I, I love me some Dave Matthews. So good. So good. Yeah. Let's him see. and oh. like the, like the stuff that's legit Dave Matthews is good enough. But again, listeners, if you've never listened to it, look up, Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds live and thank me later. You kind of have to be in a mood for, for Dave Matthews sometimes because he does some weird vocal things on purpose, but you know, like, Oh, well, and, and, and I'll say, just, I'll say this. Like if, if like the top songs in your personal rotation right now, if you're like, Hey, that new Doja cat really slaps. Okay. Well, you, maybe you're not going to enjoy Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds. Maybe not. It might not be your bag, but I'm telling you it's good and you should listen to it. Uh, another fantastic album here. Uh, the killers. Yes. uh, Hot, Hot fuss. Oh my gosh. Yes. Such a good, I, I, I still, I still blast some, some killers in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, there it. was in that time frame. I was listening to a lot of killers. I was listening to a lot of snow patrol. There's definitely some snow patrol on there. Yes, there is. Um, man, good stuff. That's coming um, off the heels of like, it's not quite the same time frame. Evanescence was big right before that. That was in heavy rotation on the old iPod. Wow. Okay. Miley Cyrus. And next on the list is Missy Elliott. Explain that one. sir. Um, I probably couldn't name a Missy Elliott song. So that's probably one where like it was one of those I got my hand on the CD, so I added it to the catalog. Lose um, control featuring Ciara and Fat Man Scoop, clean album version. So hey, good for you being. I have being no okay. I I couldn't like gun to my head. I couldn't like hum a few bars of that song to you. But I'll say this: um, I'm not like the Smiley fan where I can name her albums. I can name all her songs. I will tell you right now. I think Party in the USA is a bop, and I stand by that. And even if her music isn't your thing and I haven't kept up with her catalog, her talent as a singer, Miley's got a legit voice. And if you don't believe me and if you just want to disagree and you think she's like every other auto-tuned pop star, listen to her cover Dolly Parton's Jolene and then get back to me. Miley can sing. She is a talent. Uh, another person also on this iPod that's kind of the same, kind of in the same category, Pink. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Un- yeah, unreal, unreal Again, vocalist. I haven't, I haven't kept up with her most recent stuff, but uh, like my my wife and I were going hard in the paint on Pink there for a while, and there's that one album that had like, um, so what I think is the name of that one song. 
you know, and so what? I'm still a rock star. Glitter in the air. Glitter in the air is a fire song. Mm, Yes, I remember that one. Okay. uh, I just realized, too, and you reminded me of this. This not this iPod not only has music, sir. It has movies on here. That's that's fantastic. Well, I'm very eclectic. I'm a Renaissance man, Chris. You you really are. Okay, one of my favorite things that you have on here. And if I'm on an airplane, I, I carry this iPod and I still watch it. How does it still play? Like, there's no way the battery holds up on that thing. It, it holds up fine. It holds are you up kidding fine. me? It's crazy. It is crazy. And I and I don't treat it well. This this thing sits on my Guys, car still. I'm telling you, you like know? they they did the they did the classics for they offered them for a while. That's I bought that when the classic first came out. Like that's a gen one of the classic iPod. Wow. I yeah, can't believe it holds I can't believe it holds any charge at all. Oh, it's perfect. Uh Brian Regan, phenomenal comedian, moonwalk. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a fantastic I'm making one. money right now. <laughs> right now. Regan does this great bit on like what people in first class act like as everyone else is boarding the plane. Like they're typing on their computers, just I'm making money right now. Right now I'm making money. It's in that's on that show. That's Moonwalker. Yeah, and then he, he talks about the little like uh cloth divider. You know, yes. between first class and like the rest of the coach, he's like, snap it, yeah. snap it shut. It's <laughs> well, and it's, it's a great bit. Like the, the title of the special moonwalker just comes from the fact, like if you're one of the few people that walked on the moon, it's the ultimate story topper. Like no matter yeah. what else anybody's talking that makes thinks make them like they, they think makes them awesome. Oh, yeah. I walked on the on moon. The moon. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I love yeah. that. I love that. No, I'm not Let's embarrassed see. that that's on there. Uh, oh, oh my gosh. This this brings me back. Serenity. Serenity, oh if you remember, gosh. was the movie that followed Firefly, yes. the series. Yes. Now listen, I can't. I didn't know then what I know now when I bought those. I, I didn't know that I can't stand Josh Whedon. Um, and that he's just, he's not my favorite person. All right, we'll just leave it at that. And that being said, Firefly and Serenity are genius, and there's no greater tragedy in all the sci-fi world than the fact that the show Firefly only had one season. I am a brown coat for life, sir. Six six episodes, that was it. Yes, yes. And it got canceled. And still persists, and still has a rabid fan base. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. Let's see, the next movie on here... And uh, I think you actually brought this up recently. Days of Thunder. Heck, yes, Days of Thunder is on there. And I'll tell you why it's on there, sir. Because they didn't bump you. They didn't nudge you. They rubbed you. And rubbing, son, is racing. Is racing. Oh, Oh, that was a fantastic, fantastic movie. There's only one miss in that entire movie. It is movie-making perfection, with the exception of Nicole Kidman's Stop the Car, Cole. Stop the Car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was awful. Yeah. That was awful. Fingernails uh, on was, a chalkboard. Who, who was the crew chief again? The actor? Was it Robert Duvall? Yes. He's so good. He's so, He's good. so good. Oh, my God. Well, think about this. The one, uh, the one, uh, pit, like crew team member. That's John C. Riley, dude. Yeah. Oh, oh, my gosh. Are you serious? Yes. 
before anybody knew who he was. I looked it up to make sure because I just watched it the other day. That is hysterical. Tom Cruise, man. Yeah. Tom Cruise. Well, and that brings us to, right? Like, there's always been this joke about Days of Thunder. That that it's, and I can't remember which one came up first. I have to look at it. So the joke's either about Days of Thunder or Top Gun, that they are the same movie, just one's on a racetrack and one's in the sky. And they're not entirely wrong. Oh, I also love this about uh, Days of Thunder. Like, once he befriends the first antagonist, Rowdy, like, the replacement driver is uh, Carrie Lewis. It's freaking uh, Princess Bride, dude. Was he in that movie, too? The guy, the guy that takes over for Cole in Days of Thunder while he's injured and ends up, then ends up driving the Hardy's car is Carrie Lewis, is the actor. I need to watch that. I need to watch that movie again. And wasn't the guy uh, from Walking Dead, Daryl's brother, wasn't he in that movie, too? Yeah. So he, that's that's Rowdy Burns. So that's the first antagonist before they they become friends. Wow, it's wow. so good. It's so good. I I I kind of wish because they're ma- they're remaking well not remaking but they're making another Top Gun movie. I wish they would do another Days of Thunder Bro, movie. Dude, I'm I'm so ready for this Top Gun movie. I'm so ready. It, everything they release, looks, everything they release looks better and better. And so then it's been pushed back several times now, right? Because of we all know why. I'm not saying the C word on here again. Um, so it's been pushed back. So there was like an embargo on reviews. Like the studio was like, no, no. And so they've lifted it. And again, what's funny, you know, it, it's tough to trust critics, right? Because a lot of times they're they're really out just to prove how much smarter than you they are. But man, you think about like normally the kind of things tri- critics will trash that then the public ends up loving. And you would think that Top Gun would fall in that category, right? You would think popcorn movie, summer blockbuster. Dude, people are, everybody's raving about this movie as being like a legit great movie. Like not, not just the summer blockbuster, not just, like a fantastic movie. And I, it looks so good, and and honestly, when people were like, "How can how what plot can they do?" I mean, he's so old; it's been this many years, whatever. I'm like, "Who cares about the plot, man?" Yes. Jets, jets. Oh my gosh! And I remember like first seeing shots of it and thinking, "Man, that's really good CGI." Yeah, it's so good that it's real life. I'm like, "There's no way the Navy let them fly an F-18." that close to the deck there's no way oh yeah sure did yeah they sure did unreal and 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 that was one of the reasons why tom cruise signed on for it and he was very much like i'll do it but i don't want to do a big cgi movie and i just well and that's it's not just that they actually put them in the jets it's not like they put them in two seaters and there's a navy pilot there flying now that's the case for some of the actors but and this might, I don't know if this is true for anyone beyond him, but Tom Cruise at points is the one piloting the F-18. I, I, I heard that too. And I wasn't quite sure, but homeboy is a real pilot. Like he actually does. He's, this a, he's a real, all kinds of thing. Like I believe he's got his, his helicopter license as well. Um, all kinds of prof- different pro- professional driving licenses. Oh, and um, motorcycles. He did all these crazy motorcycle stunts. Unreal. Very talented man. Yeah. Yeah. Now, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, for sure. Oh, absolutely. But talented. But yeah, I, I can't I can't wait. I 
I, I, I've gotten to the point where I'm really not all worked up about, I've got to see this movie in the theaters. Like I really want to see, even though it's gotten some bad reviews, I still want to go see Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. I don't care if I see that one in a theater, uh, oh. avatar, let's be honest. Uh, you can make this joke about a lot, a lot about different things, but Avatar is just Pocahontas. Like, do we all understand that the entire plot of Avatar is Pocahontas? And is anybody clamoring for a sequel to Pocahontas? Nope. Nope. Now, hey, James Cameron, again, smart, talented dude. So I, I'm sure it's going to be a visual marvel. Um, but for Top Gun, I will see this thing. I will see it in IMAX. And... I, I, I might buy out several seats around me just to make sure that some obnoxious teenager doesn't ruin the experience for me. That's a good idea. I, this is definitely an IMAX. If you can, if you can see it in IMAX, see it in IMAX. I bet you the audio is probably going to be unreal. I mean, it's it's the Super Hornet. It's the Super Hornet, man. It's such a cool aircraft well, the, and it's cool enough that they did a lot of uh, clearly did a lot of work with the real jets, but then. Like the few glimpses they live, they give you of like whatever it's supposed to be, some top secret stealth fighter or whatever. I'm here for all of it, man. I'm 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 in. Yeah, I I, I love it. I I was a little disappointed. I I didn't see the F thirty five in any of the previews. I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if it's in there or if the, if it's just the Super Hornets in there, but I don't know. Well, there's some, I don't know if it's supposed to be a play off of the fighters that are being worked off on now that have leaked or been released or, or whatever. Because um, I think well, the F-22 and F-35 are supposed to be Gen 5 fighters, so the Gen 6 is that they're working on. So I don't know if the one they kind of tease in the movie is just pure movie, uh, you know, plane or what, but I, I don't care. I don't care. Take my I, way. I, 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 Take I don't my, care. I, was, I, I, I don't was, care. I voiced on here several times that I'm really ticked off that they took the Taiwanese flag off of Maverick's jacket because they want that sweet, sweet Chinese money. And as we voice many times here on the South Seven podcast, China sucks, not the people, just the communist government, not the people. Um, and so, and that reminds me, did you see, there's actually reports um, like Sony left tons of money on the table because uh, the PLO or the CCP or whatever you're supposed to call the crap government in China uh, wanted them to edit scenes in No Way Home. I don't know if it's the the scenes around that had like the Statue of Liberty and whatever. And Sony refused and lost hundreds of millions of dollars in the Chinese market for it. And you know what? Good for you, Sony. Am I gonna am I gonna go onto iTunes or whatever I'm supposed to call the app these days and buy that movie to give you more money, Sony? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Good for you. We should reward that behavior 100%. I was very disappointed in the the new Red Dawn. Like the, there was the 80s Red Dawn, fantastic mm-hmm. movie. It had the the mom from Back to the Future in it. It had like Leah all Thompson. these like 80s 80s yeah. stars, right? Yeah, Patrick and Swayze. They, and they did a remake of it in like the 2010s or something yeah and instead of instead of fighting the chinese like originally they actually went into the movie and cgi'd in north korean flags as to not offend the the chinese republic of yeah china yeah no 
Yeah, it's it's hot garbage. So I, I was talking a, a fair amount of smack that I, I didn't even know if I was going to go see the new Top Gun because of them taking that Taiwanese flag off of it. Uh, and um, is me caving and going to pay however much money they want for me to see it in IMAX? Um, does it does it lack moral character? Yeah, maybe. But I'm going to go see the movie. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna go see the movie. I'm gonna sneak in snacks. Uh, I'm gonna sneak in beverages, and I'll I'll watch it. Yeah, it's it's infuriating. So I I'm excited about it. But that dude, like I'm I'm sick of all the censoring and all that garbage. Anyways, I certainly don't want censorship fueled by the government of China. Like oh yeah. you oh you can't release your movie here if you don't do blah blah blah. Okay, bye, Felicia. Whatever. I, I feel I'm a little confused. Uh, I, I won't say the c word because it always gets thrown around. But it, it's 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 kind of interesting that we're like, hey, this uh, this group of rulers, right? The political party, not the people of China. But ha, uh, huh, are we really going to trust these people ever again? Are we ever going to, you know, like it's interesting. They they just they don't uh, like. You want to believe that you're that, that people are acting in good faith and that you can trust them, but acting in good faith assumes that you, assumes that you're all working from the same moral understanding and belief, and they do not share the same moral understanding. Like I'm not talking about you know Judeo Christianity anything like that. Just you know like baseline moral understanding, which again is murkier than it's ever been in the Western world right now, which is unfortunate. Uh, but ju- they just don't value life in the same way. They don't value freedom in the same way. And they're just not acting in good faith from the same places. And no, we, uh, you know, forget throwing COVID out there. No, we should not trust them. No, no, they're, they're not acting in good faith. Period. No, no. And, you know, speaking of censorship, did you see that, that they've, uh, Elon Musk hasn't stopped his purchase of the Twitter, but he is putting it on hold because they found out that there are a lot of bots, a lot of fake, fake like profiles on Twitter. A lot. Well, yeah, like he, like from the jump, it, it's it's a little hard to make heads or tails of, of what's really going on with all that. So, um, and of course, this is all you know. Like, I'm not a day trader. I'm not like sitting and uh, you know watching uh, whatever. What's the what's the money channel? Either way, I'm not watching it. Um, you know, but so obviously uh, I'm, I'm an Elon fan here. I'm a SpaceX fan. I'm a Tesla fan, whatever, uh, like, and the, the Elon takeover of Twitter has been, been very, very interesting to me. So, so I've been trying to keep an eye and an ear on these things. So, um, so that's been a known issue, right? And like one of the things from the jump that Elon said, like day one, like we're going to, we're going to battle like the bots to, to death, right? Like we're, that's. Um, so I, it looks to me like what he's taking issue with is what Twitter reported is that less than 5% of the users on the service are bots. There's so, no way. There's right. And absolutely so it's, no I, way. so I don't think what Elon's bringing up is that he's taking issue with how many there are. I think he's taking issue with what they're reporting is too low and he wants to see how they arrived at that number. Cause he doesn't think they're reporting it in good faith. Now there can also be some gamesmanship here, right? Cause obviously a lot's gone down since he made that offer. So mm-hmm. part of how he was financing the purchase was based on his own, uh, his own net worth. A lot of which is based on Tesla stock. Well, the whole, the whole market's down. 
can't, can't imagine why like gas is through the roof now and there's turmoil around the world and the market's down. I can't imagine like what one single thing could possibly cause all those things. Uh, but I digress. But so not only, so Twitter's value is down now from when he made the offer, but then also his net worth backing some of that is down. So I, I've seen, you know, people who are just commentators, like they're not pro Elon, they're not pro Twitter. They probably have their own political beliefs, but just people making assessments of the financial side of buying it out. Like it's not uncommon when you see the value in a company decrease after an offer is made like this to renegotiate. But when you're making purchases on this size, like if you and I go into a car dealership, we're like, I'm going to buy this car. And then we don't like something about the details as we're going through it. We can just walk away. No harm, no foul. There's no binding us to that purchase, whether we've said out loud, yes, I intend to buy this vehicle or not. It's not the same way when you're playing on this level and you've, you've made an official and public offer uh, to purchase a massive company. Uh, and so if Elon were just to walk away from the deal without cause, as I understand it, would cost him somewhere in the ballpark of $1 billion to walk oh. away from the deal. But if you can, if so it seems probably like his talk, like pausing the deal and his talk about the reporting on the number of bots is actually leveraged to negotiate the deal down, to negotiate to a lower level. But it could also be that at this point, so much has changed in the market valuation of Twitter and the market valuation of Tesla and just, you know, turmoil in the market in general that he just wants out, but you can't just get out without cause without mm -hmm. a penalty, which is a little bit crazy. It feels a little bit unfree to me, but what they don't want people doing is manipulating large sectors of the market by making offers and backing out and things like that. So I, I, I get it to some extent, but I just want to be like, this is America. Like if you don't want to buy it anymore, don't buy it. But there's this at this scale, it's got broader implications than, you know, you or I are the listeners just walking away from a purchase that we've indicated we want to make. But I'm surprised there's not going to be some sort of legal ramification, right? Because Twitter is saying, hey, we're Twitter. We have this many users. We generate this content. So if 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 Twitter is actually lying, if they if they said, yeah, it's only 5%, which we all know it is. That is just a flat out lie. Yeah, there's no okay. way. Then is there is there a legal ramification? Is that is there something where, okay, this company lied about this? Here are the consequences. I think it depends on how you could demonstrate it because I think they are liable to some particular government agency to include something like that in some required reporting. So if it can be demonstrated that they were lying in that reporting, I would think there would be consequence. It's probably one of those things where it's some financial consequence that's actually inconsequential to to a company of that size. So it's it's hard to say, but ultimately, I think it's an attack. I, I think it's a tactic to reduce the offer. I hope the sale goes through. I hope he's not looking for an out. Uh, I've said on here many times that you know Twitter is still my favorite of the social medias. It's it is a if you curate it properly, it's a great way to keep up with news and events. If you curate it properly, it's not just an echo chamber. You have to take the effort to be like, I'm going to follow this person that says things that I don't always agree with. You, know, you have to do that. But when you do, it can be a great source of news and, and information. Twitter's still my favorite for, for that. I can't remember who said this. This is not my joke. It's hilarious, though. But I, I remember hearing some commentator going like, it would be really, really awesome 
if when uh, when Elon buys Twitter, he renames it to MySpaceX. Oh, well, you probably heard that here on the Solid 7 podcast. I think we said that. Was it uh, you guys? Yeah, we talked about that a couple of episodes ago. Um, and yes, it would be hilarious. But it was not original to us. I was repeating having... Uh, actually, uh, one of my coworkers sent me... They saw that somewhere in somebody else's post. And I thought it was okay. genius. And I, I shared it here. Yeah, I thought I thought I actually saw it on Twitter. I also Twitter saw the, the joke that... I don't think it was an... Ad, Elon posts all sorts of funny things. Um. And so, but I think this was one that somebody photoshopped, uh, but I saw one that was like, next I'm going to buy Facebook and then I'm going to shut them all down and everyone can just go outside and talk to each other. <laughs> uh, that would be, could you oh imagine if, if Elon bought Twitter, it was just like, okay, I bought it and now I'm shutting it down. The problem is for it to have any real societal impact, it'd have to be, uh, you know, TikTok and Insta and Facebook and, and, and. So, yeah, I don't think even course. Elon doesn't have that much money. That's real. That's true. Yeah. Well, it, it's so funny watching people go after Elon and in the weirdest ways. I, I I texted this uh to you earlier today, right before you know we, we were just talking about hey, what we're gonna talk about on on the podcast, and uh, Tesla got kicked off of the ESG index, yeah, which is like. An index where people uh, decide like the value of stocks, right? And for those of you who don't know, ESG stands for Environmental Social Goals. Yeah, we've talked about it on here some, just in the fact that it absolutely is a right now. It's it's not applied in any like governmental capacity. Um, so there's different ratings from uh, ESG ratings from like uh, banks or groupings of stocks. The S and P has an uh, 500 has an ESG listing. And, but what it is is a social credit score for companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it's 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 you know a particular group, it's a particular subset of of political and societal beliefs determining what your social score, what has social value, and what doesn't. Um, and you know it it tends to be things that that line up with the more left leaning. Uh, political beliefs and parties in our country, big shocker. And so here's, so the idea is it's, it's like, what, what are the companies that are showing a lot of environmental responsibility and they're trying to reduce their carbon footprint and reduce waste and, you know, use recycled materials and, and, and all this stuff. And then, you know, do they have diverse boards? Do they have diverse hiring? Because, uh, you know, of course, you don't want to just make sure you have the best people for the job. You want to make sure that you have, uh, you know, an equal representation of of all peoples, uh, uh, you know, in your employment, whether they're qualified or not. Um, and so, so it rates those things. And so then, you know, it's more of a recommendation of this is the co- a company you want to buy into. This is a company you want to support. So it, it this this system, this ESG that includes you know, some concept, some, you know, this version of ecological environmental responsibility has excluded Tesla. (laughs) But wait, but wait, there's more. There's not one, not two, not three, not four, not even five. You got to go to another hand if you want to count the number of oil companies that are still listed in the S&P 500 ESG listing. You can't count yeah. them on one hand. Y'all, if this doesn't prove 
that there are people trying to manipulate everything like politics, stock markets and things. And it's coming from one particular direction. I don't know what I don't know what else. I, I, I don't know how else to prove to people that there is some sketchy things happening coming from, you know, where. Well, and again, I, I'm not that I've, I've got a, a friend of mine coming on in a few weeks here that, that hasn't been on yet. It's been a, a long time coming. He's an interesting, dude. One of the smartest people I know, but he's a very conspiracy theory prone person. And I'm just very much not. And I'll tell you why. I'm very much of the school of uh, Benjamin Franklin's uh, line of thinking, uh, which is three men may keep a secret if two of them are dead. Right. Most conspiracies are just too big to be kept under wraps. It needs too many people involved. Right. That's not to say there aren't people trying to do sketchy crap and that every conspiracy theory is false. Right. Like we've all heard that audio on, you know, TikTok or on reels of like, I understand if you don't believe in every conspiracy theory, but you don't believe in any of them. Any? Like the problem is like some of them are real. Some of some of them did happen. Right. Some of them are like false flag stuff from governments, our own included, stuff like that. So I, I get that. But I'm just I'm my natural bent is towards skeptical. But when you start to see like, um, you know, the kind of stuff coming out of like the World Economic Forum in this real weird, real Bond villainy guy, Klaus von Schwab, if you haven't heard that name, you ought to look him up. You ought to look up the World Economic Forum. You ought to look up kind of what, what they're preaching, what they're putting out there. And how many global leaders are connected to them? It gets a little sketchy. It gets a little problematic. Um, and uh, so, you know, it, you, you already see like China, uh, you know, doing like the social credit scores where it affects like where you can live, your use of public transportation, if you can rent a car, all kinds of stuff that you can't do if your social credit score is too low. Well, this ESG thing is like, uh, you know, it's, it's the mold spores of that, right? It's not a mushroom <laughs> yet, but by God, it, it certainly can be, right? Um, and so it's, it's just sketchy and 100% uh, if, if there's no pushback on it, absolutely watch banks start apply and and that's the problem right if uh you know if you can't if they can't get these things pushed through governmentally then they just try to do it privately right we talked about this when everything started popping off with russia and ukraine and all these private companies turned off the ability to use your money in russia like all of a sudden you couldn't use apple pay you couldn't use google pay all, all these things these were private companies doing it you couldn't use certain credit cards they just turned them off and you sit and you look and you're like, yeah, rah, rah, screw Russia, right? Because they're, you know, they're bombing people in Ukraine. And okay, yes, right, rah, rah. That's awesome. Russia sucks too. The government, not the people. Um, but like what's terrifying is looking and going, oh, oh, if they can do that to them, well, they could do that to me. They so can then, do it to us. So then what happens if Apple decides – Oh, you know, we've been looking at your expenses. We've been looking at uh, what you've bought through Apple Pay. We've been looking at what political candidates and causes you've donated to. And those things, they've just caused your ESG score to slip a little too low. So you can't use Apple Pay now. Oh, okay, well, I'll just swipe my card. Oh, 
well, we're, we're discovering, we've been looking at the charges on your discover card and it just turns out your ESG scores dropped. You're just not being uh, a responsible enough member of society and you just, you just can't use our card anymore. Well, do you remember there is a show called community? Love the show. Mm. Joel McHale. Phenomenal. Dude, we they were such a- community buddies. <laughs> I know. We, oh I remember, like we would watch, we would watch it on Hulu, right? Like after after work or whatever. We're like, hey, let's watch Community. Dude, that show when it was on, like I, when I, I don't mean when it was on air, like when they were firing on all, all cylinders. I, mean, I want to say maybe like really like the first two seasons uh-huh. were just absolute genius, uh, just fantastic. Anyways, oh yeah, great, great, great show. Well, no. I believe in either season five. Possibly six when they went to Yahoo, which in that kind of weird season, uh, they actually did an episode where they kind of talked about that, the whole Apple Pay thing. But instead of Apple paying currency, they use uh, Meow Meow Beans. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so these people had to make decisions and stuff, and they had to make sure they collect enough Meow Meow Beans to be in some sort of social ladder. You know, they can't do something if they have like one meow meow bean and, and it's just amazing uh the, yeah. the creator of this uh, is seeing something in the future is seeing but, something that people are not seeing yet it's not a it's not a direct analogy but it did just make me think of the episode of the office when michael and jim are trying to decide who gets raises what does a bean mean jim what does a bean mean <laughs> um no yeah well and so then it, these things seem so innocuous, but you can't like, particularly with government, you can't, when they're putting the ability to do something in place, you can't just judge whether that's a good thing or a bad thing based on what they're saying. The intent of it is right now. You have to have to have to look at what it's capable of resulting in. So when you see things now, which with the market backing off, I'm sure some of this will will cool off because the cryptos have been hit very hard. But when you start to see federal governments talk about, oh, we should mint an issue our own, our own cryptocurrencies, our own digital currencies. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It is not okay. It is not a good idea for any government to just be able to flip a switch or press a key on a keyboard and turn off your money. Now, the government can already do enough damage because we screwed up and created the Fed, which is unconstitutional. This isn't me being some like, this isn't conspiracy theory stuff. This is constitutionalist stuff. The, the, the power to coin money, to print money, is given in our constitution to Congress. So the government, just government, derives its power from the people. That makes sense. We can extend the authority that we have to them. But what you can't do is take the authority that's been given you and of your own volition, extend that to someone else. That's what Congress did. That's why the Fed is unconstitutional. So if I say, hey, Chris, I'm going out of town. Can you watch the house for me? I can extend that authority to look over and watch after my house to you. That makes sense. But then while I'm gone, if you go to somebody else, particularly somebody I don't know, and say, hey, Kale's out of town. I'm house sitting for him, but I want to go do this thing. Can you come watch the house? We all inherently understand that's inappropriate. It was, a, it was my authority that was extended to you. The extor- authority is not yours to extend farther, right? That's my authority. You don't get to pass it along. 
It's no different at a governmental scale. It's really not. So you can ask anybody, right, left, or otherwise, where does just government get their power from? Where do they drive it from? Almost anybody will tell you from the people. Well, then now from there, like, all you have to do is some simple math from there on out to figure what's right and wrong for government to do. It's, it's very easy math from there. If you can't find the power in the people, then the government exercising it is a usurpation and it's wrong. If it's not inherent in the people, we don't have it to give to the government. So if they do it, it's wrong. So let me get this straight. So what you're saying is giving more control to the government isn't a good thing? <laughs> Oh, it's just the, the problem is maybe the government you have right now, maybe you're like you, Joe Biden's the best president you've ever had in your life. Nancy Pelosi's the best speaker of the house you could ever hope for. That's you. That's that's f all fine and dandy. That's not the conversation I'm having right now. But Joe Biden's not always going to be president and Nancy Pelosi's not always going to be the speaker of the house. Are you OK with someone who's not them having that power. You have to have that thought. You have to take it to the fact that it's not always going to be these people that you like and trust. So it can't be, oh, they're telling me they want the ability to do this for this thing, and I think that thing sounds good. Now, we can talk whether or not that's the best metric for whether or not a law should be passed. Um, but, okay, maybe that thing that they want to do with it right now is good. But you know what? It could also be used to do this thing. Oh, well, they'd never do that. Oh, well, they're not going to live forever. It's not always going to be them. That's true. That's true. And so and, you and go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, so well, like we already see bad enough impacts of that because of the Fed, because the Fed can just make money out of thin air. So they can literally decrease, like if you just took cash and put it under your mattress, buried it in the backyard, put it in a safe, whatever, the government can literally decrease the value of that cash by printing more of it. We're all living that and seeing it in real time with the inflation that we're experiencing right now. That is bad enough. But imagine if that cash didn't exist at all and all you had was ones and zeros somewhere, if it was all digital and they could just go based on whatever criteria, oh, it's off. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's either not yours anymore or you can't access it anymore or whatever. Just the push of a button, it's off. It's just a bad idea. It's, it's just scary. a bad idea. It's scary. And, and you know what? Turns out William Duvane was right. We should buy gold. We should buy as much gold as we possibly can. Uh, I mean, there's something to be said for something that has actual inherent value to it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know what's interesting to talk about big government creating big problems? Uh, a great example of that right now is the baby formula shortage, which how – first of all, this was a story like a year ago. You know what I mean? Like when, when, when the, our little girl Colby, she's one now, we've had issues finding formula for the last year. I would have to go out. I would drive for like hours trying to find something, I would have to call my parents who are in South Carolina like, hey, does your CVS have something? Can you check a grocery store? So this has been a big issue for a long time, and it's finally getting attention. But here we see the, uh, okay, FDA, government, government entity, uh, like big government screwing up something 
for the rest of us, and now it's affecting our children? Yikes. Yeah, I mean, Yikes. we've had this conversation here, you know, like our kids are still younger. I mean, we're just thanking God right now that we're we're not having to find formula to feed our kids. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Yeah. Like, what do you, that, you, you go out and the shelves are bare? No, I, I've heard people counter, right, that it's, there's plenty of formula on the shelves. It's, um, you know, it's the special formulas. It's for the, the kids that have intolerances. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but okay, who cares? It's still a problem for those kids, and there's a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Colby, she could only take, I think it was called Alimentum uh, by, by Similac, which was made by the Abbott Company. And, yeah. man, it was tough. The reason I made that connection to, to gold, <laughs> talking about gold and then baby formula, is because we were paying $50, oh, $55 yeah. a can. Dude, you know, well, it's like it's like lumber a few months ago. Like if you're sitting on a pile of uh, a formula that you don't need right now, you rich. Yeah, please I mean, don't if you're, do that. If, by the yeah, way, I was gonna say if please, you're a scumbag, go if you're board, a scumbag, you are rich. Well, and then that's that's what's so disingenuous is to hear uh, the the White House press secretary say that um, you know the shortage is due to people holding. It's it's your or due to people hoarding. It's your fault. It's always your fault. Never their fault. The buck never stops there. That drives me freaking nuts. You know it's not hoarding. You know it's not. No, you're I trying get to survive. I you're trying to feed your kid. I get perspective. I get political spin. It's not everybody knows it's not hoarding. There's a difference between just spin and perspective and lying. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, it it's so infuriating. And then and there's so many things wrong there. It's the FDA dropped the ball. It's that it's so ridiculously difficult to import formula from any other country. And they say Oh, it's, you know, it's to protect our kids and make sure that what you're giving them is up to FDA standards. Many of the European standards are stricter. Yeah. And it's yeah, funny. It and, and it even trickles down to what, what they fuel and teach our doctors. Uh, like uh, there was a, a one point where we weren't, we, we, neither of our kids were fed exclusively by formula, but we had some formula we were keeping around when, when Marcus was still on a bottle to supplement uh, with, and it was, we found a, a good formula. I don't remember the name of it, I think, but I think it was German. And, uh, you know, and we, we brought it up to our, our pediatrician at one point and he would have thought we were, we were feeding him rat poison. <laughs> oh, we, we never recommend the foreign formulas and you don't know what standards they're using. I'm like, do you think everybody in Germany is trying to kill their kid? Like, what do you think's going on over there? Yeah. Their kids are okay. You know, <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I don't get it. And it, it sucks. And that it's not that we're more concerned with um, with sending more more money for more arms to Ukraine than like why, yes. why the whole government isn't mobilized and solving this problem right now is beyond me. You, I don't you, understand. You want to turn the tide of the men? You want to buy some goodwill for the midterms? Freaking knuckle down and put the screws to some people and solve the baby formula thing right now and take credit for it. Right, right. Instead of passing on the blame, all, all, all they had to say, like, hey, guys, uh, or sorry, ha- hello, mothers or uh, uh, birthing persons, whatever the folks, political correct terms is. Folks, folks with an X. Folks that uh, that have birthed a being. Um, so, okay, we hear you. We know there's a shortage. We hear you. We're going to do everything we can to possibly alleviate this issue. Instead yeah, of doing that, this administration yeah. decided to play the blame game. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're 
Like I'm calling Congress into emergency session. Nobody's leaving DC until this is solved. We're going to fast track importing from Canada. We're going to fast track importing from Europe. We're going to fast track getting this freaking, uh, you know, Abbott production line back up and running. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, if, if we have to bring in extra inspectors, if the inspectors need to stay on site so they can continuously be inspecting to give approvals, we're going to, this is going to get solved. Exactly. Exactly. But that, but, but no, but no, well, it's your I, fault. It's your fault for hoarding it. Well, you you saw, f- you saw two on the, on the shelf, Chris, and you bought both instead of leaving one, you monster. How this is your I? fault. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely my fault. I, I, I kind of enjoy just, just, just think about this politically, you know what I mean? Uh, and I don't want to digress into so much politics, but how many more groups will this this administration offend? You know, like you've already lost parents, you know, and with all these crazy things happening in schools. Hey, you know who we should, you know, go after next? Well, Moms who are are struggling with a new infant. Like, oh, congratulations. You have lost that demographic completely. I don't think there's going to be a mom who who is uh, who has gone through this situation who's going to vote for a for a candidate that let this happen. I just yeah, I, the the horning thing like I don't want to just zero on one aspect, but it's just so infuriating and offensive for that to be used as the reasoning. Like, I get it. You want to talk about toilet paper during COVID? That was stupid. That was people yes. overbuying and freaking out and why it was about toilet paper, I'll never understand, but it was. Whatever. Uh, but like the reason if if I have a baby that needs formula and they need specific formula that's very hard to come by right now. And I end up in a store where that formula's on the shelf. You can bet your bottom freaking dollar I'm buying all of it that I can afford. And you know why? Because no one's done anything to assuage my fears that I'm going that I'm not going to be able to buy it again anytime soon. And so then yes, I'm going to buy all of the thing that my baby needs to survive that I can get my hands on until I have good reason to believe that it's going to be readily available again. And so if they are hoarding, it's because you've done nothing, nothing to assuage their fears about it and nothing to make sure that it's going to get better quickly. Well, right. Like consumer confidence. If your consumers are not confident that they're going to be able to get this in the future, of course, they're going to buy the second can if they can even find it. Okay. And I know there's a lot of factors that kind of went into this too. There's like a goat milk shortage, which let's, can we buy more goats? Can can, can we, can we make some things happen? Can we, does the goats goats get COVID? What happened? Yeah. Like where did all the goats go? I don't understand. Uh. And, uh, you know, speaking of all of this, like craziness and stuff and, and now we talked about Elon a little bit, right? Uh, I feel that Bill Gates is like one pantsuit away from being Dr. Evil. Dude, I saw – do you do you follow or do you know who Jesse Kelly is? No, no. <laughs> we're, we're doing too much political ranting even for me. But Jesse Kelly, he's a, he's a pretty inflammatory political commentator. A lot of it is hyperbole and it's fun to watch because – um, you know, people with opposing viewpoints have a hard time fi- seeing or, or hearing the joke and telling when he's going over the top intentionally. So that's kind of fun to watch. But I saw him post like yesterday, day before. I, I can't remember when I heard him say this or saw him post this, but he's like, 
It's kind of funny how Bill Gates' wife left him because of the proof of his ties to an international pedophile ring, and we all just kind of forgot about it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but no, Bill, crazy. no, Bill, no guy who is a computer nerd. Give me more of your thoughts on vaccine policy. That's what I want to hear your expertise on. Yeah, and I and I hear he's like buying up farmland and doing all these like kind of sketchy deals. Are you so trying like, to imply that you? Bill Gates bought all the goats, Chris? I I think so. Show I us think the goats, bought, Bill Gates. Show us the goats. Where are the goats, man? To give it, give us the goats back, okay? Well, well it's see. kind of funny. It, like Elon Musk is kind of becoming, you know, our our quintessential good guy. I mean, he is Iron Man, and he's Iron, Tony Stark. Iron Man. Needs a supervillain nemesis. I think Bill Gates is trying to be that supervillain nemesis. If Elon doesn't build something resembling an Iron Man suit at some point, I'm going to be seriously disappointed. Seriously. Oh, oh, he, he, he will. He better. I know he will. Dude, you know uh, Congress is having hearings about UFOs right now? Like legit congressional hearings about UFOs. Uh. I don't know where I, I don't know where I come down on this. There's a little bit of where there's smoke, there's fire, and some there, some reports are more credible than others. Particularly the one Navy pilot with the Tic Tac UFO. That whole thing's real problematic. But here's where I've yeah. always gone with this, and this might be a little bit of normalcy bias on my point, right? Normalcy bias where, um, you know, like your brain when when something out of the ordinary is happening, your brain will try to give you explanations that aren't out of the ordinary to make sense of it. Right. To the yeah. extent like there's very tragic applications of normalcy bias, like there were people in the Twin Towers who turned around from the stairwells to go back and turn their computer off before they were leaving mm. the office. So that's that's normalcy bias. Right. Just different stuff like that. Or like, uh, you know, in the firearms community, when people are concerned about uh, concealed, like carrying a firearm concealed and oh, everybody's going to notice it or see it or whatever. Well, the reality is, of course, like pagers and stuff are, are less. uh and, and phone clips on the hip, stuff like that's not as prevalent now. But the reality is even if somebody like sees a bulge in the shirt or even if your shirt rides up, like their brain just tells them it's something that makes more sense to them than, than mm-hmm. a firearm unless they're, they're predisposed to it. Uh, so that all that stuff is normalcy bias. So to me, what's always kind of like put me on the more skeptical side of UFOs is the SR-71 Blackbird. Right. Uh, so right. most people, even if you're not a jet nerd, which I'm not a big jet nerd, I'm just a typical guy who like who like most guys think jet thinks jets are cool. And the SR seventy one's one of the coolest. It's still that we're aware of, and that's the point of this conversation. The fastest jet ever built, and you know, uh, you flew very high. You know that jet was designed. They knew at the speeds and altitude it was going to fly out, it was going to leak leak fuel. They knew that and designed it with that in mind because of the way the metal yep. expands and heats and stuff is just insane. Crazy. Um, so that's the like the big, long, sleek-looking black jet. You've seen it in Transformers. Um, there's one at the Air and Space Museum in Dulles, and there's still a few of them around. Supposedly, we don't fly them anymore. But so this, even now, this is an old jet. Even now, this jet looks very technologically advanced. It looks very impressive right now. So the first test flights, and we could look it up to fact check me on this, but if I'm off, I'm not off by much, but the first test flight to the SR-71 was in the 50s. Oh, yeah. It, it was flying for years before it went public. So the SR-71 blows by over your house at whatever, 80,000 feet or something. Now you can't, you can't see it or hear it, but... 
at Mach 6, whatever its top speed was, <laughs> in 1957 or something. Well, yeah. you just saw a UFO. You just freaking saw a UFO. Even if you see it at low speeds landing in a runway, nobody had ever seen anything like that then. You just saw a UFO. So I'm like, if that's what they were testing in the 50s, what are we testing in 2022? Which is almost the more terrifying prospect, right? Like, I th if you think about what it would take for a civilized being to travel to Earth, we're talking about a civilization that has to be vastly, vastly more advanced than us. Like to cross interstellar space to get here. Mm -hmm. Right. Because again, unless they've got like cloaking technology or something from sci-fi, we know they're not in our solar system. So they've, they've figured out propulsion and all kinds of technology to get here that we can't even fathom right now. Mm -hmm. We're basically, basically not even primates to them. We're basically ants. Oh yeah. How much, Insects. how much, how much interest or concern do you take in the ant piles you walk by every day? So what's actually more concerning to me is that, you know, a lot of the, you know, there's just been more and more UFO reports these days um, is, is that these are actually like vehicles created and tested and operated by foreign governments rather than alien species. I think to an alien species, we're an ant farm. No, hundred percent. That's well, just. <laughs> well, isn't it funny how, how people will flock to Roswell, New Mexico, you know, those desert, you know, area 51. Oh man, this is proof, man, because of these, these sightings, area 51. And I'm going like, so let me get this straight. Uh, you see some weird things flying around over a top secret military facility. That I mean, it's it's kind of a thing, man. I don't think it's a UFO. I mean, I'll I just think it's it's yeah. legitimately an airplane that we can't even fathom right now, right. like the SR seventy one, right? So there's that aspect, but I mean, let, let's not be so naive as Americans to believe that other countries can't can't build, can't engineer yeah. some crazy wackadoo aircraft as well. So. What makes more sense that an, an alien civilization decided to come to an ant farm, essentially, that is Earth, or that we have some top secret aircraft flying about under the United States flag, but also under other flags? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll say this. I believe UFOs exist, but I mean that in the most literal sense of the terminology. And as, yeah. we, as we all carry you know, more and more advanced cameras on us at all times, we get more, you know, it's always like, oh, why, you know, cameras have gotten better and they're in our phones and everything. Why are all the shots of Bigfoot still crap? That's fair. <laughs> um, right. But like you see more and more like quality footage and you see like there's something in the sky and it's moving at speeds and in ways that aren't possible with the aircraft that are out there in, in the common vernacular, in the common knowledge right now. So that is legitimately a UFO. It just doesn't mean it's extraterrestrial. 
Right, right. And I think there have been some videos. Uh, I was on YouTube. I follow this channel called The Corridor Crew. I talked about it in the last episode. Uh, these guys are visual effects uh, artists, and they're they, – trust me, they, they know what cameras do and what cameras don't do. And they were able to take some of these videos that are actually under congressional review right now, as you mentioned – and basically debunk it going like, yeah, this is a lens flare. This is a thing here. Let me show you this effect on this camera that we have, yeah. you know, and show you. So I don't well, know. Part of, part of me is like, should we spend money on this? We already spent well, too much money. I'll, I'll tell you what else is trippy too, where you almost feel you're like, has this doctored? But have you seen any of the videos of guys doing like the, the launch or takeoff sequence with a racing drone? Oh yeah, those things are crazy. Where it's fast. Like, so it's like one of these little four rotor drones, and they put it on like the edge of a table or a launch pad, and they start it up, and it's got a, a startup sequence, or they control it in such a way where, like, you can, you've, I guess, got well, you have to have some kind of independent control of the rotors. So they actually mm -hmm. use the rotors as they're running to tip this thing up on edge. So think about kind of the typical drone you're used to seeing, but these are lightweight, lightweight and sleek, and it kind of stands up on end, and then you just hear, Zzz! and it, I mean, it takes off at a rate of speed. I don't know how fast it's actually going, but it just seems impossibly fast. It seems like it's breaking laws of physics, and it'll zip, like, out and over, and it's making turns. Like, the stuff mm -hmm. you see in these in UFO footage but on a bigger scale, but you see these things, they make turns that you're like, aircraft can't just, like, cut at that speed and move at, like, a 90-degree angle or more. Well, no, they can't when they're bigger and have more mass. And particularly, like the limiting factor in fighter jets now for these last couple of generations has been the human pilot. The, oh, body, yeah. the, the body can only take so much and take so many Gs. You take the human out and you can make much more capable and much more agile aircraft because you're not worried about somebody's blood draining to their feet and passing out in a, you know, a couple hundred million dollar vehicle. Um, right. So, so yeah, it's, I, I think there are UFOs. I think there are legitimately unidentified flying objects. I don't think that means the government doesn't know what they are or that someone doesn't know that they are or that they're extraterrestrial. Um, so I, I mean, I think they're real. I just don't know that they're full of little green men. Do you believe that, that the government possibly is behind this whole idea of alien UFOs? Like they purposely planted these like ideas and articles and stuff in the 50s just to uh, distract people from what's really happening at these, you know, Area 51s? No, no. And I'll tell you why, because I've been to the DMV and I don't think governments, <laughs> I don't think governments that smart. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think they have, I don't think they have that in them. <laughs> that's okay. I, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, the stuff that's really interesting. I can't remember the guy's name is to me is the Navy pilot is, I think his name's Faber. He's been on Rogan once or twice. He's kind of done the podcast circuit. Really interesting to hear him on Rogan. Like this is an this is an accomplished Naval aviator. Like this is a guy who knows what high performance aerial vehicles can do. And what they have on video and I, from, from his squadron, from his plane and what he's describing, uh, it's interesting. It's in, Again, I don't think yeah. it makes something extraterrestrial, but it is troubling that there's, there's stuff out there that can move like that and do what he saw it do. And the guy comes, he's not a quack. He's, you know, he's not saying he got abducted on a country road and probed. 
right? Like, and you know, the, the FLIR images and the video and all that stuff from the jet has leaked. That stuff's all available. Um, you know, this, this guy is, dude's not a kook. So it's, it's interesting. It's, it's always fun. Like it's fun to talk about the stuff. It's fun, you know? Oh but. yeah. It's interesting. And Joe Rogan, he, he fully believes in UFOs. I, or, or I can't remember where he was. Maybe he goes back and forth. It's on always that, hard but. to tell what Joe believes in for fun and what he believes in for real though. <laughs> like again, some things it's just fun to. Yeah. I saw his interview with this guy named ba- uh, Bob Lazar. La- Bob Lazar. La- yeah. Lazar. Is that but the one who claims a, that he worked on the alien materials at uh, Area 51? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. The one. Again, so, Lazar's story is interesting. It is. It. Yeah. I'll say this: it's entertaining, whether it's real or not. It's entertaining. Yeah, yeah, but it's just so so crazy how how there's. <sighs> If you really wanted to fool people, you really could, man. If you made a fantastical story with enough truths, like like enough little half truths in there, man, it'll mess you up. Because so Bob Lazar has some interesting details. Again, I don't believe in UFOs, right? But he's he's uh like woven in so many little truths to make his story believable. Like the jet that that leaves Las Vegas that has no numbers that Oh, uh, no, yeah, that's people. legit. That's how those people get to work. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, that's 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 a real well, thing. Here's you know? here's the thing. Here's what's tough with somebody like Lazar. When you have somebody like lying is unbelievably hard. Lying lying well consistently over time in long-form conversations is almost impossible. Like, because the problem is like, that's, that's why he's saying is like, it's always easiest to tell the truth because you don't have to remember what you've said. It's just the truth. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, but if you're telling lies, you got to remember every lie because you forget one and now you've, now you've slipped up. Now the story doesn't match up. So when you have somebody like Lazar who tells this story over and over again, who sits down and has open long form conversations and you don't find those discrepancies, well, man, that adds a lot of credence to what they're saying. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, I was thinking about this, watching your posts. I can't remember where you were. You were doing some sort of ruck, rucksack me? thing, like crazy, yeah. physical. Sounds like, sounds like me. Yeah, something 100%, crazy. 100% we're getting you out to a go rug event, but continue. Uh, 100%. I'm going to shame and peer pressure you into it. Not unlike a high school kid trying to get you to smoke, or I guess these days vape, I will get you to a go rock <laughs> event. Only what I will be doing will be for your physical, emotional, and mental betterment and not uh, to destroy your lungs. Okay. I do want to, I, I do want to get healthier for sure. Let's have, let's have an offline conversation about this perhaps. But, uh, anyways, you were at an event with Tim Kennedy. Now, Tim Kennedy, <laughs> he, he's an interesting fellow and he's been on some interesting shows yeah. with some conspiracy theories. I almost messaged you on that post without you took up a, a picture with Tim Kennedy. I'm like, yeah, we're basically ask- best friends now. Really? Can you ask him then if he really thinks that Adolf Hitler escaped from Germany and lived in Argentina? I really want to know. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, I I did get to, I got to hear him. So that was at Sandlot Jacks, which we talked about a lot on on here, uh, and and we're out at. It was it was awesome, and it's it's coming back, and we'll be out. I'm already registered. We'll be out there again next year. 
Um, San, so it was fantastic. So come on out in 2023. Um, but uh, so part of what they incorporated into part of Sandlot Jacks were it was there. It was Gorux version of TED Talks. So it was Fit Talks. Um, and there were just all kinds of just really, really intelligent, um, just top thinkers in um, health and fitness and wellness. And uh, Kelly Starrett was out there and uh, Michael Easter and Melissa Urban. And uh, uh, so people you've heard of, people you hadn't heard of, but you should hear of and, and just heard some some great fit talks. But Tim Kennedy came out and he did a ton out at Sandlot Jacks, but he did a fit talk and, and that was awesome. Uh, and kind of did his, his riff on uh, Jordan Peterson's like, uh, you you shouldn't be safe. You should be like a man. A man should be a monster. It should just be under control, right? And so Tim kind of did his his own take and riff on that, and even quoted Jordan at one point, which which was cool. I, I talked to him afterwards. I'm like, a Green Beret quoting Jordan Peterson's my kind of Green Beret. Um, <laughs> so I I did get to converse with him a little bit. As much as anytime you meet somebody you'd like to have a picture with, you talk to them. That's about how much. Uh, Tim and I interacted. There were some other interactions, but I actually wanted to ask that exact question, and there just wasn't wasn't time and the and the position and whatever. And so, yeah, you know, maybe right. maybe next year if he's out, I'll, I'll get my hands on him and ask because I, I do want to know, like, because you know, even with these shows, you know, they had more content and experience than what they edited into Finding Hitler. So yep. it's going to be like, bro, you've seen all the stuff we got to see and all the things we didn't get to see. You know, forget the like it's entertaining television, like legitimately what's, what's your take? I mean, yeah. a, a lot of, a lot of high ranking top tier Nazis absolutely escaped Germany and yes. absolutely hit out in places like Argentina. So we know that for sure. And we have no verified remains for Hitler, which is crazy. Oh yeah, exactly. Like, and, so, and <laughs> again, you know, speaking of like trusting you know, you know, countries and their political affiliations. We're going to trust Russia. We trust Russia that they got, yeah. they got his skull because they yeah. wouldn't lie, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I wish I had asked him. It was super cool to meet him though. And, and got to have, I, I got to uh, watch him roll uh, like jujitsu uh, with uh, Jason Kalipa. So Jason Kalipa is a, a former um, uh, CrossFit uh, champion. Uh, like fittest person in the world and just a really cool guy. But then also like they, we did a, a go ruck basic event on Sunday morning of Sandlot Jacks and they baked into that basic event, um, uh, grappling and striking training with K Tim Kennedy. So we had a whole like hour long session oh. baked into that basic event with Tim Kennedy. It was awesome. That's so cool. That's yeah. so cool. Uh, actually, uh, you, I would love to show you some pictures of an event that I did about two weeks ago. So uh, he didn't mention this at first, but uh, I, I am a pastor, youth pastor, doing youth ministry up here in yeah, uh, so beautiful many New York area. So many people that are, come on the podcast are like pastors or work at a church. That it just gets boring, so I never lead with it. <sighs> I I know. And, and honestly, I, I always feel uncomfortable telling people I'm a pastor because they always get kind of like, eh. So my little shtick now is that like, oh, I'm a pastor, but don't worry, I'm really bad at my job, and that kind of takes, that kind of takes uh, the edge off, you know. That just makes it sound like you're like a heathen or something. <laughs> it's just it's funny. You're like, well, anyways, I'm a pastor, but I do hardcore narcotics, so don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry, don't worry. Yeah. So we did this event called Man Up, yeah, and 
the idea was to get our middle school and high school boys and uh, just kind of have like a man day and learn some things. We had some sessions, you know, it was kind of a conference style. And I'm not saying that, you know, plumbing, make knowing how to plumb a toilet makes you a man or knowing how to construct something makes you a man. But, uh, you know, we we wanted to teach the things that our dads taught us or teach the things that we wish our dad taught us, you know, type thing. And one of the sessions that we did was uh, de-escalation because self-defense kind of sounds like we're training you know, ninja assassins. Uh, but uh, but we had a jujitsu jujitsu person come in and teach kids how to de-escalate the situation, how to get somebody on the ground, how to pin somebody and give give you know, like the police or somebody else enough time to come help you to de-escalate the situation. It was so much fun seeing these middle school and high school boys trying to learn how to fight. It, yeah. It was amazing. We need to get Tim Kennedy out there. That'll that'll definitely help out. <laughs> well, I don't know about Tim Kennedy, but I, I 100% bet you'd be able to get, uh, you know, uh, depending on what kind of gym you go to, they either call them coaches or professors, but like somebody out from uh, – from a local jujitsu gym, I'm sure would be happy to come out and do something. Oh that yeah, again. yeah, and that's and that's that's kind of how that's how what we did. But that's what we it, did. It but. does make me think, and you're right. I do love that, and and you'll notice, you know, as we've kind of shifted some things here with the podcast, um, you know, I tweaked the the show description and I, I included the the quote, uh, "Specialization is for insects," you know, because normally I do the little bit about. Uh, you know, how we're not a show about nothing, which is a hat tip to Seinfeld, but we're not a show about yeah. about any one thing, right? Because the the common, like you hear all the time, like if you're going to do, like the key to success in a podcast, um, and if they're, if they're right, then I'm screwed. Uh, but it's like, <laughs> be, be hyper-focused, like find your niche and narrow down to this topic and be about that thing. And that just doesn't interest me, right? Like I get that that works for a lot of podcasts and I get that you find a podcast that talks about your niche, but those aren't the podcasts that interest me and I'm not interested in doing that. Um, so why, so I do this. Um, yeah. but, I, but I, you know, hearing you talk about it, one, it sounds like you're trying to start your own Swanson's, which I fully approve. Um, yes. but, uh, that the, the quote from that I'm, you know, specialization is specialization is for insects. That's not my idea. It's actually taken from a Robert A. Heinlein quote. And the whole thing is, a, now I I wonder because this says a human being and I think this has been woked up a little bit because okay. I'm pretty sure the original quote is a man um, should be able to change a diaper, plan an invasion, butcher a hog, con a ship, design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, comfort the dying, take orders, give orders, cooperate, act alone. Solve equations, analyze a new problem, pitch manure, program a computer, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, die gallantly. Specialization is for insects. Oh, I love that. And so it's so quote. funny because I, I do think I do think this is supposed to say um, a, a man and not a human being, and and not that. Uh, let, me, let me find a a better source for this here than what I was just reading from. That wasn't a Jordan. I'm sure Jordan Peterson maybe, probably talked maybe, about that. Maybe maybe it is a human being, and that's okay too. But there's just a, a lot of this. Like there's so much of now now of like uh, you know this concept of toxic masculinity. Well, this yeah. is masculinity, 
and it's and it's not toxic. And somebody who does a, a real mm-hmm. modern version, cool of this, if you ever heard of of Pat uh, McNamara, if you follow Pat McNamara on Instagram, I, I recommend it. Some of the stuff's more interesting than others, but on Wednesdays he does little little videos. He calls basic dude stuff, and it's yeah. and it's very much like this kind of thing. And you know, and it's even stuff like uh, detailing the wife's car for her, basic dude stuff. He'll tell a stupid joke to his daughter, dad jokes, basic dude stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he'll be like cleaning out his chicken coop or repair, you know, making a minor repair to this thing or doing basic automotive care or, you know, exercising or even, uh, you know, like paying attention while driving and not talking like all, all these different little just skills and values and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's basic dude stuff Wednesdays. And it is that idea of being this well-rounded useful member of society. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm here for it. That's awesome that you did that event. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. And, and really the, the whole idea behind it was trying to bring back almost like classical masculinity. Uh, yeah. Dare I say biblical masculinity, because there's toxic masculinity. There, that is a real thing, but yeah, you know, classical or biblical masculinity is not is not toxic. I mean, we we talked about like, you know, a real man will put uh, his needs, uh, sorry, will put his wife's, his spouse, whatever their needs ahead of his own. Like men, you know, yeah, and that well, also it's okay to be a man. It's okay to be a man. It, yeah. It's so weird that no, we live in a society like, where. Where we dump on we dump on boys for being boys. It's, when the well, truth it, is, it's it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's okay it's to be a man. Not to turn this into the Jordan Peterson concept. Like I'm hearing his voice in my head, like turning this into the Jordan Peterson uh, you know, podcast, <laughs> but I can literally hear his voice because there's this clip uh, of him saying like uh, it, it's a female interview, which often happens with him and they're kind of on the attack. Uh, and he's talking about like this this kind of manliness that we're talking about, this kind of masculinity. He's like, it's not only okay, it's necessary. He's like, yeah. look around at the people that keep the sewers flowing and build the buildings and keep the water running and protect your communities. He's like, it's there, it's it's not okay, it's necessary. We have yeah. to have this. Um, I, I can, it's because he's got that very distinct voice and it's funny. There's this guy mm-hmm. that makes the round on like reels and TikTok talk style that has a spot on hilarious Jordan Peterson impersonation. And I highly recommend you look up his impersonation of Jordan Peterson at a diner. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. You need those things. And what we're talking about is this, this masculinity, this, this well-rounded, helpful, useful a healthy concept of masculinity and not like what it gets presented as is, is locker room masculinity. Right. And really it's that faux masculinity. It's when it's insecure boys, regardless of their age, trying to prove their masculinity. Right. Right. Some, somebody who, who can, you know, plan an invasion, pusher a hog, con a ship, yada, yada. They're not trying to prove anything. They don't have to prove anything to anybody. Right. Nobody's questioning right. this person's masculinity. That's not a thing. Right. Now, now Jordan Peterson, he kind of landed himself in some hot water, right? He called oh, some, uh, caused some controversy recently. He did indeed. It's, uh, his, so he's, he's off, off Twitter, Twitter now, which, yeah, it's, which bums me out. 
Ugh. So I, I get, you know, it was over, I guess, like the, I don't know, is it the cover of Sports Illustrated or something? Yes. Has a, uh, the politically correct terminology, I think, is a plus size model. Um, but it, you know, it's this girl who's, who's pretty, she's overweight. Like she's got a pretty, pretty face, whatever, but, but she's overweight. And I, I can't remember what he said. I, maybe I should look it up. I don't know if we want to quote him, misquote him, you know, whatever. He, he said something about how this is not beauty. This is not beautiful. So, uh, man, I don't know. I, me personally, I, what he's coming, where, where I thought he was coming from was, hey, culture is now celebrating obesity and, and it's not, we shouldn't do that. But, you know. We've talked about this before, how beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, you you and I know some guys who really like some uh, plus sized. Yeah, but dude, I'm, I've never been a fan of that, which is funny because you and I have a personal story with this, right? Like, um, you know, the the examples that lie outside of the bell curve don't disprove the bell curve. Right. The, right. the oddities don't disprove the norm. You can't do that. And I say that because one time Chris was polling everybody in the office or something for some garbage college class he was taking. And I, as, as I promised, I answered his questions. Honestly, I'm like, <laughs> uh, you can't pin me down with your stupid, uh, you know, whatever. And, and I fell well outside the bell course, didn't I? As a matter of fact, I remember what the questions were. It was about like, would you rather, be asked to lunch, not asked to lunch, go to lunch by yourself. It was all questions along those lines. And I'm like, I'm equally happy no matter what. I'll go to lunch without you fools. I'll go to lunch with you fools. <laughs> invite me. Don't invite me. If I want to come, I'll come. If I don't want to come, I'll tell you no. And you had your pretty little curve and I'm, I'm way, you're, I'm you're way off outlier, over here. Yeah. Get out of my head, Chris. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, it, We've just got to be intellectually honest, right? Like I get, there's plenty of guys out there willing to white knight, and there's there's a difference between saying like I is it unkind of looking at the girl and go, oh she's ugly. I don't. Nobody's saying that. I don't think. I don't think he was saying that. But the vast majority of men do not find a woman with that body type physically attractive. Doesn't mean there aren't some guys that do. But we're talking about the bulk. We're talking about what falls within the bell curve. Most, most guys, most heterosexual males looking at her with that body type are not going, well, I need to get to know her. Now, that doesn't mean that there's no guy that doesn't want to get to know her. That doesn't mean she's unlovable. That doesn't mean there's somebody who, who wouldn't get to know her and befriend her and not care that that's her body type, right? But it's a, it's a factual statement that the, the initial thing that stands out to guys is physical attraction and the vast majority of heterosexual males aren't going to be initially physically attracted to a woman with that body type. And that's the point he was making. Like we have to all pretend like that's not a factual statement. And part of the reason it gets perpetuated is because there's enough, enough guys out there willing to white knight because, Hey guys, save some girls for the rest of us. Cause it's like a guy tipping extra. Cause he thinks the waitress is going to marry him. No, she's flirting with you because she wants a bigger tip. Um, she's not into you, dude. Hate it for you. Um, <laughs> so, it, like, it's it, it's just not. And there's n there's nothing wrong with any of that. There is something very wrong now with how we want to act. Like, now I'm sitting here. I'm 
40, uh, 41 years old. I'm 5'11". I'm 245 pounds. Now my fat mass is down and my muscle mass is up from a year ago, but I'm overweight. Somebody who has less fat mass than I do with this same frame and age is healthier than I am. It's a f- you, let's follow the science. It's a factual statement. They're in better health than I am, right? And so this thing, like we have to pr- pretend that like, all body types. We're not talking about whether somebody has broad shoulders or high cheekbones. Those are genetic differences. We're not saying there's not some medical causes that make it really hard for somebody to keep their weight down. Roger that. Get you. But, but that's not, not only is that not everybody, that's not most people. I don't have a thyroid problem. I have a fork problem. Well, I, I think you're pleasantly plumped. I don't think you're fat. I think you're pleasantly plumped. No, I think no. you carry your weight well. I'm adorable for sure. This is well established. But but just like that was it, it the way I took Jordan Peterson's comment, right? Uh you know, if there's one thing we've learned from the uh Johnny Depp Amber Heard trials like you you can't infer intent, but the way I understood it was just the the fact that it just continues to be unhealthy to to normalize these things. Again, not that people who are overweight should be outcasts, not that people who are overweight should be treated poorly, uh, but acting like we have to say like that's, that's best self or that's something to uh, aspire to, or that's something that's healthy or healthful. It's, it's not, it's, it's not as healthy as being lower weight. It's not all other factors removed. If everything else being equal, it's better for your health to, to have less fat on your body, period. And do you think there's a correlation between beauty and and health? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like bi- biologically, yeah, I think that that would hold up. Again, not that no one's ever, no one in the history of the world or or today uh, wasn't attracted to someone who who's un, unhealthy, for sure. But it's you know a lot of of what we find attractive in body types are traits that convey strength and health and and whatever absolutely well i i'm not exactly the pinnacle of of health but gosh man i am just handsome i'm a handsome dude i might not have the best health ever but you know i i'm a solid seven solid seven i think you know yeah sure that's not get lofty sure okay I don't know. Like on on like on what day of the week? <laughs> under <laughs> under what conditions? No, so I'm hey, just listen, like, but take your just, shirt off right now. Just, I will take off my shirt. FaceTime. Let's go, dude. There, there's all kinds of nuance you can get in here. Like, does pretty mean the same thing as cute? Mean the same thing as hot? Mean the same yeah. thing as as whatever? Uh, you know, different different strokes for different folks, right? Like, you've, everybody's got their own co- colloquialisms and understandings. Like to 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 see, you know, the the picture of this girl in whatever article I saw might have been. Um, was it? I'm reading it on Daily Beast right now. Always a trusted source, the Daily <laughs> Beast. Um, they're clearly big, big Jordan Peterson fans. This is all this is all distinct sarcasm here, listeners. But um. You know, like she's not ugly. She's she's pretty, but that's not the same thing as like just obviously physically attractive. That's how I'll phrase that. 
Okay. And we all, and we okay. all and we all know that. And the fact that everybody can't say that and understand, I don't hate her. I'm not saying she's a bad person. I'm not encouraging anyone else to hate her or say she's a bad person. I don't think anyone who is physically attracted to her is dumb or wrong or has anything wrong with them. Sure, sure. I don't know. I think if I were Jordan Peterson, I probably would have avoided this topic. I don't know. I probably wouldn't have tweeted out what he tweeted. I mean, a, a, a lot of why we know of Jordan Peterson is for him standing up to the attempt to to shift these cultural oh, yeah. cultural norms. Oh yeah, oh of, of course, and I and I and I agree with about ninety five percent of the things he said, but I don't know. I think he put his foot in his mouth on this one because I I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I'm just not convinced really that that health does kind of correlate with beauty again trying to make it trying to give a male equivalent or whatever like okay uh a chain smoking guy say anybody like in hollywood in the 70s right burt reynolds might not be the peak health uh, health specimen right uh probably drank drank too much right his liver probably fits in a bathtub or something but if uh but people would associate him with being Beautiful for a man, right? So does that correlate then? So we see an unhealthy specimen. We applaud that if it's a man, but then an unhealthy specimen, if it's a female, and then that, I don't know. It's, it's a room full of rakes. Again, the problem is we, t- we take these things as judgment on people's worth and their character, and it's none of those things, but we can't be adult and be intellectually honest about that anymore. And so to mm-hmm. say like, Yes, the, this is this is not the standard of what most of society finds physically attractive from from the opposite sex with, or well, I mean, opposite sex doesn't matter, and that's its whole other convoluted. <laughs> that's a conversation, whole other conversation, Kale. Right, but to say, but but what has to happen? It's 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 like the it's like the the emperor's new clothes, right? It's they're going to put this out. There's going to be one of these things just doesn't belong, but you have to act like it does. You have to. It's it's Pam holding up with. Find the difference in these two pictures, and you've got the the atypical skinny swimsuit model, and you've got the plus size model, and you're supposed to go. There's no difference; they're the same picture, but they're but they're not, and you're a bad person if you recognize that they're they're not, and say no, that's not the societal norm for physically attractive. She might be yeah. awesome, she might be hilarious, she might be uh, empathetic, and she might be kind. She might be all kinds of great things. She's she might be attractive to plenty of people. That she might be pretty. But but we're not talking about the same thing. But you have to conflate all those things and roll it into one, so that you so that you can be gaslit on this one thing. And then if you're not, then if you're not, then you're a bad person. Oh, of course. So a so that's not a good thing for us societally. I I don't in my estimation, I don't think that's healthy or positive, right? I I think this this because then what it does it it flips the script. It's Oh, right. It's a couple of things. It's not just that, oh, if you don't think she's just as pretty as the, as the skinny ones, then you're a bad person. Well, well, no, I'm, I'm just not physically attracted to, to that offhand. And by the way, most people aren't either. Some people aren't, most people aren't either. And me, that being my reaction to that does not, that doesn't make me a bad person. Just like me thinking that maybe that person isn't physically attractive. Doesn't mean I think they're a bad person either. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the people's value isn't 
necessarily linked to to their beauty, you know. I again, I agree with everything you're saying. I think that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and we can definitely say, "Hey, that girl looks nice." Might need to lose ten pounds, but at the same time, I think to the reason why this is so controversial is that kind of going back to the Burt Reynolds, you know, example. We don't necessarily. I don't hear a lot of people calling it out on the male side as well, which we should. I mean, what? What? Uh, it, de- it depends on why we're calling it out, Chris. That's is true. it? Is it? Is it where we're being told this, this person who's obviously at an unhealthy weight, obviously at an unhealthy weight, is healthy? That's that's healthy. They're fine. Don't you question their health? That if their doctor suggests they lose some weight, they should find another yeah. doctor. I mean, you could. Plenty of videos out there of people people saying that. So that's that's its own issue. If nobody's going, hey, hey, Bert, you could stand to lose a few pounds. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's a problem too. But again, heterosexual females tend to find the that initial physical attraction isn't as important. And so they value different things. So it's, it's there's 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 multiple conversations to be had here, Chris, and they're not the same thing. Mm-hmm. There, there's the conversation about is this is this physically attractive or not, and is this healthy or not, right? And so, for for a guy, for what attracts women tends to be different factors other than or, you know, you would the, the physical attraction, the initial physical attraction can be overcome easier from on that side, right? And mm-hmm. so that's that's reckon, but it's still no healthier for the guy. So it's two it's two different conversations. Well, still, we're talking about perceived, perceived beauty bell curve. I don't know. I'm, I'm just thankful that my wife Chris, thinks I'm funny. Dude, come, I mean, I, I understand. I, I understand that you got to live and work in the state of New York right now, and that people who know you <laughs> might listen to this. But, like, honestly, you're not comfortable right now saying that. By and large, heterosexual females find a different set of of things and physical attributes attractive in males than heterosexual males find in women. Oh, uh, dude, I totally agree with that statement. Yeah, that's the, but that's the conversation, dude. There oh, are so, out, there there are outliers to both of those things, but there, okay. that's the way a bell curve works. The big hump is in the middle, and most people yeah. fall inside of that. There's some people out at the edges, and there's some people that are entirely outside of the wave. But right. it's the vast majority of the people who are being plotted on the curve. That's the way a bell curve works. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I do. I I literally agree with everything you're saying. The only thing I'm saying is that. But 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 that's the way I, that. Again, maybe it's not how he meant it, but the way I took Jordan yeah. Peterson's statement was, quit trying to make me say that's in the middle of the bell curve because it's not. Okay, yeah, I and can I'm, see that. And I'm not a bad person for recognizing that. No, no. And I'm not judging that person as a bad person for recognizing that. Right. Oh, dude, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. I even agree with that kind of point of view. All I'm trying to say is, hey – Somebody out there might think she's pretty and be attracted oh, to that. I'm and certain, the same, yeah, that's I'm all certain, I'm trying to say. I'm certain many people do. There's over 7 mm-hmm. billion people in the world. Even a small percentage is still a lot of people. And it mm-hmm. might even, it might even not be that, that small a percentage, but it's, it's just, you know, it's this, it's this whole, uh, you know, ministry of truth. It's this, it's this whole um, what's, what's the terminology from 1984 for like the, the approved language and stuff. It's the, um, you know, it's, if we want to be nerdy about it, it's Star Trek. It's, it's, there's mm. four, it's four lights and not five, right? Mm-hmm. That just say there's five lights, Jean-Luc. No, there are four lights. 
right? Like I'm not crazy. I can see the lights, right? And so it's, you know, like we're, we're being told, you know, like you're being forced to feel like you're, you're a bad person or you're a crazy person now for saying things that we've all known to be true for, for a real long time. Now, have, have people been treated unkind because of those truths? Or be, yes, they have. Now that's problematic. Is there, you know, uh, you know, fat, fat shaming and all that, like being, being mean to someone because they're overweight. Like, no, there's not a great reason to be mean to anybody. And that's certainly oh, a dumb yeah. one. And that's certainly a dumb one, but to, to sit, to then treat it like it's, it's also mean and has malintent to be like, man, it, it'd be really good for your health to take some of that weight off. That's not an attack. That's not no. bullying. No, so it's, I don't like, think so. But, but we've got to find a space where there's room for nuance in our conversations again. Oh, for sure. For sure. And wh- where there's not room for nuance in a conversation is in ours. That's now over two hours. Holy cow. <laughs> oh my gosh. I are you just serious? looked at the recorder. Oh man. I'm sorry about that. And I just, well, you know, I just got, had such a fun time here. It's hard to keep when, track when of the time. Having, when you're having this much of a good time, as it always is with you. Chris, hey, but uh, I appreciate it. We've Kim. probably gone off on this topic and offended enough people for quite some time now, and we still, you, yeah. Well, you know, I'm to, surprised you haven't gotten canceled yet. So hey, you know. Well, you know, it's uh, it's just mom listening, anyways, and she's probably sticking around. So, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, you know, I'll be up you know, a couple hundred percent on this episode because your wife and mom will listen. So that'll be good for sure. So, well, dude, thanks for coming on. Always a good time. I love you. We'll do it again dude, sometime soon. Dude, love you soon. too, man. I always love talking to you, bro. Love you. And, Say hello to the uh, wife and kids. I, I, I've, been rem- I've been remiss in this the past couple episodes. Still kind of a, a learning and growing curve, um, you know, being solo and not having Josh here. But uh, I've put it in the show notes, but I, I, I intend to include it in each and every episode now. A good friend of mine and just audio engineer extraordinaire, Art Pipak, now editing the episodes. And boy, do they sound good. So... Uh, big thanks to Art, as always, for working his magic and making us sound as good as we possibly can here. Art, if you it. could do me a favor and make me sound less like a mixture of Kermit the Frog and Jewel, I would really appreciate it. No, we're actually applying a, a, a filter to your voice that's just called helium. That's oh, great. That's that's the plan. So, But uh, Art's awesome. We appreciate him helping us out here at the podcast and listeners, you're awesome. We appreciate you listening. And, uh, I'll say this, uh, as I said, a couple of, uh, episodes again, when we got a little more dicey on topics, if you disagree with me, that's okay. I don't hate you. I hope you don't hate me. Uh, we can still be friends. I'm sure there's things we do agree on, like, you know, the awesomeness of the series firefly and, uh, and many other things. And the fact that as I posted, uh, to the podcast, Instagram today, Chick-fil-A should offer floats. They have ice cream. They have root beer. They have Coca-Cola. It's a big miss. Chick-fil-A, get on it. We can all agree on these things. And uh, there's more that unites us than divides us. If you disagree with me, reach out. Tell me why I'm wrong. Don't leave. Uh, or if you want to leave, you can do that too. It's it's a free world, whatever. But listeners, we love you. Appreciate you. Uh, Chris, you got a little time to stick around for Patreon? You got it, my friend. So Patreon supporters, we'll, uh, we'll show you a little extra love as uh, we always do with some fun stories from Chris. And uh, for the rest of you, thanks for listening. And we'll, we'll catch you on the flippity flip. Peace. We're out.